more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Yes, we are back. It has merely been about eight hours since we last got together, but that is the way we roll when we're in the midst of a four in four. Some hockey players play three and four. Some hockey players play five and seven or six and eight only illegal curve plays four and four and that's what we have for you this morning two hours of winnipeg jets talk coming your way jeff hamilton at the bottom of the first hour frankie carrado at the bottom of hour number two ezra ginsburg playing hurt in the top right dave manuk playing hurt in the bottom middle drew mandel just playing. That's all I'm doing here, folks. I'm just playing. I'm in the top left. Welcome to the Illegal Curve. This is one of the worst show. colds I've ever had. By the way, boys, I literally like rolled out of bed at about 8.30, uh, made myself a little uh, Bagel Smith bagel. Shout out to our boy Phil from Bagel Smith Bagels. Put a little peanut butter on a toasted bagel, made myself a little coffee, poured a huge glass of water, and then got myself set up down here in my River Heights basement. So, yes, Drew, this is a lot of shows. Just like the Jets are, they have a condensed schedule right now. Yeah. IC also has a condensed schedule, but the Jets are in first place. So it's a, it's going to be a celebration all morning long. And as, as he says, first place, not only in the Central Division, not only first place in the Western Conference, but first place overall in the NHL in terms of the number of points that they have earned. It's an impressive feat for the Winnipeg Jets, 54 points, 38 games played, a points percentage of 7-11. There you go. Numerology again, rearing its ugly head here on Illegal Curve. Dave, good to see you. How you feeling this morning? Feeling good. 7-Eleven, that's Ezzy's favorite place to get apples. So uh, that's, that's what I'm good, saying. That's a good place. 7-Eleven hey, wanting... should have room and board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it should be like a motel. Uh, no, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better. Thanks for covering for me, boys, last night. And uh, yeah, the Jets continue this run of uh, amazingness. I mean, atop not just the Central, as you said, Drew, and atop the entire NHL. So uh, folks in Winnipeg are are committed to the belief in, in this hockey team. And again, you know, this team, it was interesting because I looked at the, you know, comparison. Was, I, this team is not last year's team. So I know that people expect the, no. the wheels to fall off this wagon at, at some point. And look, as, as he said a couple of shows ago, they're going to eventually lose. Although it doesn't look like any time, but soon, but they'll, they'll lose a game or two, but this team seems very committed to the, the structure that they're playing. So, so we don't expect that swoon that they had I was in Bucerio, it's about a week ago, by the way. What's that? Oh, there you go. I was there in uh, it's near Puerto Vallarta. Oh, all right. Well, we went to a we'll place be... called uh, Bruce. If you have a chance, go to a place called Jack's. It's a tell great, them as he sent great you. live band. Yeah, tell them as he sent you, but it's a place called Jack's and they have live music. It's awesome. Okay, thank you. For Alrighty. That. Uh, the, the, this portion of the show brought to you by Tourism Mexico. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I, I think that you know, it's just it's an interesting position because the jets of last year had a little bit of a, a, I think they went like four and six during this period. Then they went on a good run. They went like seven and one, but then they started to lose this Jets team is just a different animal. It really is. And 
They're built differently. They're committed to de- playing the game differently. And, oh, now the special teams are working. Now it's only two games. It's against two weaker opponents. But maybe that's kind of the impetus it needed because they didn't really change their overall structure of their game, and the, the, i.e. they didn't cheat the game. Yeah. And now they have a little bit of power play success, which could just be all you need. And they'll face a tougher opponent tomorrow in Arizona. But it's it's a good sign for this Jets team that now the one one now of course the PK as well, but the one in two areas the special teams uh, could be looking like it's it's turning itself around. Now the only other area, boys, which even last night they were terrible in, continues to be faceoffs, right? Because I think they were at like thirty percent to to Anaheim seventy approximately. But again, I mean that's just getting almost a little just nitpicky, and that also I mean I, I think that contributes a little bit to special teams, right? Because you're talking 15, sure. 20 seconds. It's more important on special teams, I think, than it is on five and five. But overall, I mean, this Jets team from the goaltending, Lauren Brassois, another fantastic, what, 37 saves and 38 shots last night. You're getting everything from this team. You know, Nate Schmidt, 45 games without a goal, of course. Yes. That dates back to last year. How good does he feel right now? And how good is the whole team? I wrote about in the on the morning papers. How good does the whole team feel that Nate Schmidt scored not just his first goal of the season, turns out to be the game-winning goal. So, there's a lot of good vibes, a lot of good feelings yes. around this Jets team right now. That's the biggest difference, boys. I mean, there's a lot of differences between this year's team and last yeah. year's team. The team, D- Drew's been talking about this uh, for a long time. I mean, not just Drew, but um, certainly on our show, we have focused a lot on the five-on-five team defense, which has yeah. just been superb all mm-hmm. season long. It's not like it's just been great, you know, the last five or six games. Mm-hmm. The Jets' commitment to team defense, I mean, again, we sound like a broken record, but that's a huge difference between this year and last year. You have guys like Mark Scheifele, uh, you know, playing the best defensive hockey of his career, right? you got to give him credit. I mean, he's struggling a little bit offensively over the last five or six games, but, I mean, he looks like a much better defensive forward. And, he, and you know, he's one of the leaders on this team. I mean, you expect great defensive play from guys like Adam Lowry and, and, you know, um, you know, Mason Appleton and, and players like this who, you know, kill penalties and everything like that. But, I mean, there is buy-in from top to bottom. I mean, there's just watch, just watch the guys on the bench or just watch, you know, like the runway uh, clips and stuff like that. You can just see like this is a, there's a lot better vibes around this team. And, and, you know, a lot of people have pointed to, you know, just the elimination of Blake Wheeler on this team. And, you know, that just being a breath of fresh air and that, and that's fine. But I also just think that, you know, this is a new era for the Jets. They have new players on this team. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, there's a, just a fresh outlook on this team. And I think they have rallied behind things like, you know, Gabe Velarde being injured early in the season and, you know, the health of Judy bonus. I think this is a much tighter group this year and mm-hmm. they want to win for each other. I, I would agree with everything both of you guys have said. And, you know. Wow. And what uh, you me? Sorry, that was me. Yeah, stop doing that. <laughs> Get rid of yourself, that was, not that me. Was my accident. My my fat little sausage fingers got stuck on the trackpad. <laughs> I was like, how did I just get, how did I boot myself out without I was knowing like, that I, I was, was like, myself? I was like, did Drew just use the mouse that used to kick him out of the show again? That was because totally me. I'm no, sorry. Suddenly Drew. it was going to be a Manuk and Ginsburg experience. What, look, well, we couldn't figure out how to get Drew back on the left side. It was tripping me out. If you want me to be like Russo, you have to get, take away my video, not my video and my audio. That, that doesn't, then nobody can hear me at all if that's the case. But, uh, you know, what I was going to say, you know, when talking about the team defense and everything else along those lines, what's most sort of impressive to me over the last couple of games is that the Jets have 
given up early goals. You know, they it's now four straight games that they've given up the first goal. So they gave that first goal up against the Wild on New Year's Eve, um, mm-hmm. you know, and before, you know, when that's a game that we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show, the hullabaloo around Hartman continues. But more specifically, Tuesday, Thursday, and last night, the Jets give up early goals, you know, first mm-hmm. period goals, mm-hmm. and then nothing. Then they just shut down their opponent. You know, Tampa, yes, they get a second goal when it's already 4-1 and the game is over with, you know, mere seconds to play. Fine, they gave up a second goal there. But the the ability to give one up and then mm-hmm. basically shut the opponent down. Now, granted, San Jose and Anaheim are not offensively dynamic teams, yeah. but Tampa Bay is. Last time I checked, the Tampa Bay Lightning are still a pretty damn good hockey team. Well, they so have they a top up- three power play in the league as well. Right. So to give up that early goal to Tampa Bay and then just say, yet, no more, nothing else. Yes, that was Russian. Thank you. Thank you, Etsy. But that to me speaks to the emphasis of the team defense for the Winnipeg Jets and just how significant the buy in is. And I, Mm -hmm. I know we've talked about it and I know that, you know, we've seen it throughout the course of the season for the most part. But to then, you know, to give up an early one and then just sh- clamp down and not make that one goal be a two goal deficit or, yeah. you know, have to continually crawl back, you know, to me is, is, is a remarkable feat for this Winnipeg Jets team as of late, Dave. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're, 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 you're hitting it, Drew. I mean, it's, it's what we've talked about. This is a different club. It is. And so like, you know, just like you don't, comp- you can look back at the 17, 18 team and, and try and compare these teams but look they have different personnel and and they're they're playing vastly different hockey games mm-hmm. and and you know Kenny wrote about it for the Winnipeg Free Press about Connor Hellebuck you know being in the lead like look at his look at his save percentage the last five games it's yeah. like 960 940 930 like it, he's been unbelievable again I, I mentioned it Lauren Brassois and I think part of that also though is the fact that the, the team is just playing as a group so much better and you've got the defensive pairs are all working. The forwards are all working well as a, as a whole. So, I mean, you're not getting, I mean, every once in a while you'll have those lapses. We talked about it when Mark Shifley in the game against uh, San Jose took that penalty. It was a little bit of a, a lazy penalty, but the, but yeah. the reality is those are more few and far between than they are frequent. Yeah. And that's so why they, that's why they're so noticeable this year. Well, and also one of the things that I, I think I just saw, heard the stat, the Jets are the third least penalized team in the NHL. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, especially when your penalty kill is not very effective. I mean, that's, that's important. Now, obviously that's probably leading to maybe the penalty kill, uh, not improving that vastly as is that you're not getting those chances to, to improve it because you're not taking penalties, which obviously is not a bad thing, but you know, to me, that's, it's, it's just a, it's a disciplined hockey team. And I think that's kind of the word we're talking about you about, I feel like a month ago, we talked about consistency and the idea that can the Jets be a consistent hockey team? Can they play a consistent brand of hockey? And now you're seeing that, but you're seeing, like I said, this, this, just this determination to just do this same thing and, and the repetitiveness. And again, like I said, if you, they keep doing this, sure, they're going to lose some hockey games, but you're not going to have a complete breakdown. And, and like, mm-hmm. like the, the most interesting thing I think about this Jets team is the fact that Cal Connor will most likely until he returns, remain as the leading goal scorer on this team at 17, where Crazy. every other guy wasn't even in double digits on this team. Now, collectively, Ehlers group, is getting closer though, Dave Ehlers is getting closer. He's up to 13 now as, but the fact is 
you didn't have a guy even close to him. And again, Ehlers, you're right. As, as the Ehlers may catch him by the time Kyle Connor's back. But my point is that the collective buy-in from this group, the way they're all playing for each other, and I'm not saying they weren't doing that when Kyle Connor was in the lineup, but the but the reality is, I just think it's hilarious. And when you go to the the, the pages and you see a guy who's going to be out, you know, six to eight weeks remaining as the top scorer, it shows you what kind of season Kyle Connor was having. But it also shows you that this this buy-in from this entire team. Again, like I said, I even looked at it the other day when I was looking at the stats for you know the historical stats for the Jets, and I was like, oh, actually, Monson Fielby's you know in the top fifty of Jets all time now for scoring. Obviously, it's not a high bar because it's not like you're you're talking about 13 years. You're not talking about like a, a franchise that has, you know, 20, 30, 40 years on it. But my point is guys like Tonnado and Bielby and Barron and Appleton and Niederreiter, Nemestikov, what does he have, like 20 assists already? Like it's it's amazing what you're getting from this collective group. And and so to me, it's it's just a testament to way the way they're playing and the way they've all bought into the system. Yeah, they, 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 you know, bought in with without a doubt. I mean, there's no, there's the train that they are is just pulling all together in the same direction nonstop. There's no players that are out on the island, you know, freelancing or or trying to do things that they're not, uh, that 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 the uh, their their teammates are not expecting them to do. That's what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. They're everything that they are doing is is anticipated by one another and is working towards the same goal. Not some not one player just sort of doing their own thing and hoping that they're going to be able to to carry the team on their own. You know the word I used last night when Ezzy and I were doing post game uh, is selfish and not in the negative sense of the word selfish in the positive sense that they see all these points up for grabs and they are selfishly grabbing them and they see all these opportunities and they are selfishly grabbing them and they're not leaving anything behind for their opponents. They're not leaving any meat on the bone. You know, there aren't, there haven't. I don't been. leave any meat on the bone either, Drew. Yeah, that, that went without saying, though, Ezzy. We knew that. Um, but uh, that's why you have so much, that's why you have gout in your fingers. Not just in your toes, but you have gout in your fingers. No gout uh, about it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you know, that, that's just the remarkable aspect of this of this Jets team. Is just absolutely all of them are, are, are one fine-tuned machine right now. And yeah, at some point in time, there will be a blip just because human nature dictates that at some point in time there will be. But it shouldn't be significant, and I don't think it'll be anything that is worrisome. But right now, you know, you you look, you've won what? Five in a row, if I'm not mistaken? Okay, so you got, and all of those are clean regulation time victories. You know, they, they just, they haven't lost in, in, in regulation in... When was the last time they lost the game in Since regulation? San Jose. San Jose, December 12th. Okay, so yeah. we're approaching a I can't month. believe I just said that, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. That's exactly how it just uh you know how weird their, this entire thing is. Their losses in their last 11 guys on this 11 game point streak, their losses are against San Jose and Chicago. Yeah, well, that's uh right? it's, it's, yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, isn't it bizarre? And and then yeah, the San Jose started it where they were that was the first regulation and then like right. as he said, Chicago's the only uh the only uh, overtime loss they have. No, Montreal was the overtime. Uh, was oh, Montreal overtime loss. Yeah, but the, look at the three teams they're, you're losing against. I mean, Montreal it's, and Chicago. Yeah, Montreal and Chicago are the are, are in overtime. It's 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 just odd. It's it's odd, but it's uncanny. And the Jets deserve all the praise that they're going to get. I saw uh, Pierre LeBrun, who's not my favorite of the of the alleged Ooh. insiders, but uh, whatever. He was praising the Jets. In Drew's a big Darren Drager guy. And, and I just find LeBrun to. You know, anyways, I don't want to, I don't need to get into it. I don't need to pick fights at 9 in the morning. No, I don't have any beef. I've never met. Uh, I'm kidding. Yeah. But, uh, 
the Jets are going to get more attention now, even though they should have had that attention a long time ago. But when you're first in the NHL, you know what you want to continue to be? is first in the NHL. So the players know that. They like the lofty air. They like the thin air atop the NHL standings. And so that's why I don't expect to see any sort of significant change in how they've been approaching things and in, in, in how they've been approaching the game. They know the, the winning recipe. It's been Drew, there in front of them. This. You mentioned this weeks ago. They yeah. have a swagger about them. Yes. this We have not seen this swagger since Patrick Lyonnais' rookie year, I don't think, or, you know, the 2017-18 season, I guess that would have been his second year, right? When the Jets were mm -hmm. uh, second place in yep. the league and they were battling with the Nashville Predators for the President's Trophy, right? The 114, 115-point right. season, which, by the way, the Jets are on target for that around. Yeah. I mean, which is incredible because at the beginning of the year when Jay Fresh Hockey came out with his 109-point prediction, I was thinking to myself, like, whoa, okay, that's pretty high. But now it's actually looking pretty low. <laughs> the Jets are the, the way the Jets are going, right? I knew like, I he was like, going to be wrong. We all said he was going to be wrong. Well, well I remember he was one of the only ones. Well, he was right. I mean, in terms of you know, no, no, this, I'm saying the, he was he lowballed them is what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you, no, you're right, Drew. I mean, this team is it's it's a mature team. It's a confident team, and they just don't seem to be really phased by giving up a goal or giving up, giving up a couple goals. Right. And, you know, Kevin Sawyer brought this up on the broadcast yesterday. Like you just look at the, the players who have scored in Kyle Connor's absence, right? Dave M mentioned it, right? Like he talked about Axel Janssen Fialbi, who, by the way, I mean, you know, just gives a great uh, intermission interview, by the way, I just loved his uh, interview with Dan Robertson. I just think he's just such a, a fresh uh, personality on, on the Jets team. Love him. Um, but they're just, they're getting goals from everybody, right? We talked about Morgan Barron. He's already tied his career high in goals. Vladislav Nemesnikov, I'm going to echo what Dave said a few weeks ago. Like, why did so many teams give up on this guy? Like, Nemesnikov does everything. You like, said that, won. by the way. Does everything right. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, he's just a good all-around player. And again, I know a lot of people, and we have people in the, the chat already this morning talking about, you know, what are the Jets going to do prior to the trade deadline? I mean, I do think... I, I'm all if Chevy decides to acquire a second line center and maybe use a first round draft pick or some prospects to get that, I'm okay with that because I do think that the Jets need uh, an upgrade at second line center. I'll just mm -hmm. put it out there. I'm I, and I'm not saying that that's Steven Stamkos. I'm not saying that that's you know Elias Lindholm. Um, but I mean the face offs that's an issue. But Nem Nemesnikov, I mean, what more can you ask out of this guy? This guy's mm -hmm. just like Dave said. What does he have? Twenty two assists on the season. Um, you know, I think he's on pace for a career high in points, if I'm not mistaken. Like he's 18 just a assists great on player. the season, 18 assists, go. 22 points. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So he's been he's been fantastic. And yeah. you know, like how many times can we talk about just how many unsung heroes there are on this team? Like Dave mentioned it, and we talked about it on last night's post-game show. I mean, Nate Schmidt was probably one of the last guys, all due respect to Schmidt. He's probably one of the last guys that you expect to score the game-winning goal. But it was a beautiful goal, and you could just you could feel how happy the rest of his teammates were for him, for a guy that was healthy scratched earlier on in the season. So um, you just have to tip your hat and just say that the Jets are playing some incredible hockey right now, and they're just dealing with whatever adversity comes their way, guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not like they haven't faced adversity. You're absolutely right. That's a good point. You know, every NHL team faces adversity at some point in time or another, but the Jets have certainly faced their share of it. They've had two, you know, top six forwards knocked yep. out of their lineup for lengthy periods of time, you know, over a month in each instance, it will be probably closer to six or eight weeks for both of them and really didn't skip a beat. That is adversity. That is 
okay, yeah, we got played a shitty hand of cards, but we're going to deal with it and we're going to somehow turn it from from chicken bleeped into into chicken salad. And that's what the Jets have done, you know, time and time again this season. And you can just feel the confidence. And it's amazing what confidence does for a dressing room and what it does for individual players. Like Dominic Toninato, you know, spends the entirety for the most part of the season at the AHL level with the Moose, just biding his time. He's just talking a great to, professional. Tony, to me on a one-on-one -on -one Dave. Toninato is just a great veteran hockey player. Yeah. yeah, and he chose not to retire rather than talk to Dave on a, on a night-in, <laughs> night-out basis, which I think it probably was a 50-50 proposition at that point in time. Good um, point. But he just comes in, and again, when you enter a dressing room that's just permeating, with that confidence and those good vibes and everything else, good somehow it, it, it makes him feel better. And he seems like he's playing a foot taller on the ice. I mean, he's not playing, uh, you know, a significantly different style than he did last year, for example. And that's why the, they call him up, right, Drew? Because they know that, that they he can play, right. whether but he's playing success. for the Moose or whether he's playing for the Jets. He but goes the, right in there and he does exactly what the coaches ask of him. Right, but the level of success that he's finding in that is, is, is a completely different factor because I think that the entire team around him is a part of his individual success. So yes, all of these guys are succeeding on an individual basis, you know, by and large, like Nemesnikov and like, you know, all the Jets players up and down the lineup who are having some really solid seasons. But I mm -hmm. think it's the fact that all the, you know, they come in, you come into the dressing room, you come into the roster, you come into the lineup, your teammates are, 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 are forcing you to be better. And as a result, you don't want to let your teammates down, and they're finding this way to do it. Whereas in past years, maybe they're a little bit more, uh, you know, reticent to 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 get all in, or maybe there's a little bit more uh, fallback on, on easy excuses. They have not taken one shortcut for the most part this year, and that to me is just as it speaks to the culture of that room right now. Yeah, and I I, I think that is without question. And I think you're right, Drew. I think you mentioned it or as mentioned it. The the fact is, is Jets team very easily could have used as an excuse that you lost, you know, Gabriel Velarde, you're one of your top six guys for a significant period of time. You've now lost Kyle Connor for a significant period of time. That was your quote justification to say, well, you know, I can understand why X happened or why Y happened. But the reality is instead of making, I mean, I'm not, again, we're not here to just parrot what the team says, but when Rick Bonus is having success, then you kind of attribute his words to being accurate. And he says, you know, find solutions, not excuses. And and so when you have solutions in front of you and you have guys that you trust at the American Hockey League level, then you can, again, you can have a fourth line. I mean, think about it. It's not like we've had to watch a consistent fourth line on this Jets team the entirety of this year, right? Rasmus mm -hmm. Kupari was on it. David Gustafson was on it. Now, Dominic Toninato was on the mad line as as he has coined them. Vlad Nemestikov was on the fourth line yeah, he started the season on the fourth line Morgan Barron Alex Iafella like they've had a, <clears throat> a lot of different players on that line the fact of the matter is whichever player is on that line has bought in and that line has brought success to this team as I think this is the best version of the fourth line though the one that we're I, seeing right now with Tony Nato Baron and AJF, I think that has been the the well, the, the best version of the fourth line that we've seen. I, I won't. Are you talking about the Mad Line, Drew? Yeah, yeah I'm talking about the Mad got, Line. If you're going to reference it, you have to pay Ezzy the ten cents. Uh, I didn't say Mad title. Line. I said their names. I didn't use his acronym. No, I understand. You know, I'm the funniest thing is, though, Dave, someone made a good point. Like that damn line is actually pretty good too. So we, we could go with the Mad Line or the Damn Line. I like the Mad Line, but I have no problem with the Damn Line either.
you ain't mad, but okay. So the, but, but ultimately if you look at that, that group and, and again, what does it come down to? It's guys who have been with the moose and, and I, I talk to these guys all the time. They're not sitting there selling. They're all, they, 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 they love the guys on the moose, but they, let's be realistic. You know, when you could have steak, you'd rather eat steak all the time. Right. So especially as who apparently has it all the time that he's so much that he's got gout, but well, now Jay, well, Jay, that's funny. Jay's got me worried about your fireplace now with that comment. Uh, no, it's all good. It's, 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 it's reinforced steel. So we're good. We're not going to have to worry about it uh, burning down the house, but um, no, I mean, you just know that these guys, we talked about it. They're not playing with fear. They're playing with confidence, but they're also playing with, with a way to say, we don't want to leave. And Rick bonus was asked about it. I think Sean Reynolds asked uh, Rick about it before they left, obviously. And he said, like, what are you going to do when you have to make those decisions? And he goes, none of these guys are making it easy. You know, when guys are healthy, because like we've seen David Gustafson, he's in a yellow non-contact. Rasmus Kupari is back in a regular jersey, but needs to get into some battle drills. Those aren't happening right now. I think that's the first, The uh, oh, by the way, special, well, I'll do it after. But the um, I think the first practice is going to be January 10th. And so then, so you got Rasmus Kupari potentially getting back around then. David Gustafson, like I said, yellow non-contact. So he'll need to get into some battle drills as well. And so there, there are some questions coming up for this Jets club. So it'll be interesting to see how it all folds out. But yeah, Drew, I mean, like I said, I think you're right. This is probably the best version of that fourth line because of the, the amount of contributions we're seeing. And, and I would say it's probably the best version of the Jets we've ever seen from top to bottom. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press going to join us momentarily before we go to break. This is a great tweet by our buddy Mike McIntyre. What a difference a week makes. The Minnesota Wild came to Winnipeg last Saturday, seven days ago, with a chance to pull within four points of the Jets if they could get a clean sweep of a back-to-back home-and-home. Now, seven days later, the Minnesota Wild are 18 points behind their northern neighbor. How about that? How is that even possible? I get it. The Wild have lost all their games and the Jets have <laughs> won all their games. <laughs> but it's like in one week, 18 points? Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy. That is a crazy I mean, I'm really stat. looking forward to the Wild Jets first round playoff series, though, boys. Oh, yeah. It, it's bound <laughs> to happen. They could meet in the playoffs. If, yeah, it's bound to happen if you ask Jamal and, and, and Sam. They could meet in the playoffs. Yeah, they could. Except they're not going to. No, when they could. In 24, back, 25, Drew. That's right. Yeah. It's better chance that the Moose and the Iowa Wild meet in the playoffs than the Jets and the Minnesota Wild. When we come back, Jeff Hamilton joins us on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Stay with us Saturday morning. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg on our our YouTube channel and all of our social media platform. Welcome back to the illegal curve hockey show Saturday morning, nine 30 central time, possibly a different time wherever you may be joining us from 10 30 AM central drew. I mean, nine 30 AM central it's 10 30 AM Eastern. You're going to interrupt me at least be factual with your <laughs> inane interruptions. I mean, that's on. not too much to ask. You know, it's 8.30 Mountain there, also their uh, math, math whiz. Uh, in any event, yeah, thank you for bringing Jeff in. So otherwise, I would just be... I believe you, Ezzy. I believe yeah. you. I, yeah, th- I thought it was 10.30, man. I was I was starting to sweat that I was late. That was a believable statement to me. 10.30 somewhere. Drew thinks he's the only one that can bring the guests on, by the way, Hammer. I can do no, that, No, I too. know very well that you can until I take away your privileges. because, <laughs> But I know very well you have that ability. But uh, I also have the ability to read a clock that you apparently can't. So, you know, we all have our strengths weaknesses in life hammer jeff hamilton how you doing buddy happy new year happy new year guys yeah doing awesome great to be on love the uh love the fire in the background with dave nice and toasty conversation so far i've been uh been keeping up to speed and must feel like christmas for these jets fans in january eh? waking up and seeing 
seeing the seeing those Winnipeg Jets at the top of the NHL standings. What uh, what a nice what a nice little present a couple of weeks after the big holiday. You're absolutely right about that. And, you know, we've been talking, of course, and praising uh, the Jets and singing their praises because of their recent play. And I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. We all know the numbers. We don't need to rehash them again. Just how impressive they are. From your perspective, Jeff, when when you're watching this team, you know, like we are, and and you're seeing what you're seeing, you know, what stands out to you most? Is there any is there any specific aspect of this impressive streak that that you are uh, that you find to be more fascinating than, than say something than, than another aspect of it? You know what? I think there's three things, and I sum it up like this: the three C's of success, which I say tongue in cheek because there's only two C's. Uh, but it's it's consistency, confidence, and camaraderie. Those are three things I like that, that I think this team, you know, has shown it. In, in times and in flashes, like no one can say that this team was just, you know, obviously lots of talk about the locker room and the culture and stuff like that. Like these guys never hated each other. The culture just didn't, wasn't always good. It just, you know, they, they used to ride those waves of emotion when things were going really well, guys were loving, you know, loving doing interviews. They were loving, they were joking after practice. And then when they get into an inevitable slip, it was like the world, you know, like the world was ending. It was, you know, it was, it was, you, you, you could feel the tension inside the room. So obviously that culture has changed this season led by, you know, uh, uh, giving Adam Lowry the C. I think that's allowed, you know, maybe a breath of fresh air. I know you guys touched on Blake Wheeler. I mean, we all, we all know the competitive guy that he was and the value that he brought to this team. But we also knew with that competitiveness and that, you know, wanting to win so bad, the negatives of that side. And that negative was was just bringing in an environment that was tense during those lulls in the season, right? And so now I think you have a little bit more of an even keel leadership. And one thing I think is important about that is, you know, you often hear like people want to be a part of it, right? Want to be a part of wins. That's the, That's where you see the most successful teams is where everybody, whether you're on the top line, fourth line, whether you're, you know, the number one defenseman or you're trying to get in from the press box, you know, everyone feels a part of it. Everyone needs to feel a part of it, right? And and that's more than just feeling a part of it on the ice. It's absolutely incredible that this team is getting depth scoring, that, you know, they're seeing a fourth line, as you guys have touched on, that is, you know, probably better production-wise for, for length of time than maybe anyone we've seen since the 2018 run. Um, you know, those are all important aspects of being successful, but I think it's feeling part of it off the ice. It's the work that you put in off the ice, the planning, the the, the, you know, going watching film, I think that that energy, that grind, enjoying and, and enjoying the grind is a contagious feeling. And like I said, you see that on all the different teams. So I think it's not just having a bigger role on the ice. It's having a bigger say off the ice. You know, these guys, you look at you even look at the post game presentations where they give out, you know, the leather jacket and the bomber jacket. Like these are going to, to almost nightly unsung heroes. Right. Some mm -hmm. guy says, hey. Unbelievable game, Schieffer. Hey, hey, Helly, wouldn't be able to win this game without you. And then they're glancing past his stall to a guy <laughs> who stepped in front of five shots over two periods, and and everyone's cheering and you know asking for the guy to give a speech. You can just feel that energy, and so all those things I said, those three C's: the consistency, the confidence, they, the camaraderie. They all intertwine with one another. They all they all benefit each other, right? When you're when you're consistent on the ice, and we and this is the consistency part. Is is a system is system related? Absolutely. I mean, the, the the Jets are playing a system that they're comfortable with, that they're getting results from, and that they're committed to. And that can you often hear players say because you often hear in the NHL when it, when it comes to coaching, when it comes to actually dropping the puck, 
the, the an NHL coach or a hockey coach in general is among the useless of coaches because all they really are there to do is motivate and to reinforce a system, but right. you can't you can't do halftime adjustments. I mean, you can do adjustments within periods, but in every other sport, you can kind of do more of a say as a coach. So you 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 trust your players are going to execute the consistency of it. And and you often hear players say, and it's interesting, you often hear players say, well, we know, like, when when a system's working well, we know what to do in every single situation. So it actually takes some of the thinking out of the game when your system is running as smooth as the Winnipeg Jets are running, that it becomes to a level of instinctual. And I think that's what we're seeing night in and night out, not only just the consistency of how they play, but the consistency in their emotional level, right? When they go down a goal, they don't panic anymore. You just have to go to Nikolai Ehlers post-game comments last night. He referenced it twice. I'll read them for you right now as I continue to go on the buffet here. You let in, <laughs> let in one in the first and you don't panic as a team, which is something that was different last year. And then he goes, he goes, um, we get behind by one and we have that feeling of we're still going to win this game. That's a pretty good feeling to have, which is something we haven't had for a while. And to me, that just speaks again to the confidence, the consistency, which then breeds the camaraderie. And I think when you combine all those things that has happened with the Winnipeg Jets, things that existed, but not nearly to the level of consistency as they're, that they're, they're existing this season. And you have a team that's at the top of the, of the NHL and a team that when you look for years on paper, look good now look good on ice. And that's the big difference. I think for me, when it comes to this, this edition of the Winnipeg Jets hammer, when the, when your book, the three C's with Jeff Hamilton finally comes out, it's going to be taught in sports management and sports psychology mm. uh, classes across universities for, for generations. Um, to come. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just take like one or 2% Jeff. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it really is it, man. I mean, it really is. You, we, I think everyone knew people who were in the room all the time, people who clearly watch and, and, and love this team as fans could see the building pieces, right? The pieces that would work. I mean, for years, even, you know, last year was a bit of a weird year, of course, with the, with the great start and then the fallout, but last year and, and even the year before that, when they didn't make the playoffs, the big problem was it was almost like they were trying to get the top two forward lines to show up on us on the same night. Like it would be okay. If you're going to win this game, it's going to be the top trio of forwards that's going to win. And then the next game, the next victory, it's a completely different effort from the second line. And then maybe it's the second line again, then back to the first. Now, if either, if those two top lines aren't working, you're getting performances from a third line led by Adam Lowry that is, you know, dipped a little bit, but has kind of found their game in the last few. Uh, and then you have a fourth line that just seems to show up every game and, and, and you know, finish, you know, finish whatever the top two lines haven't been able to put in the net. So to me, it's, it, it really is like, I mean, it's gotta be fun to be a Winnipeg jet right now. And of course, Winnipeg jet fan, but it's just, it's just that feeling, man, when you can go into every rink, whether you're at home or away and you have that feeling that you're going to win, that you're supposed to win. And then you know how to do that. That's what we're witnessing with the jets right now. Yeah. And, and you know, that the word that keeps coming up, uh, hammer and obviously you know you cover the blue bombers for the winnipeg free press drew you know mentioned this i don't know a month ago the swagger right and that was obviously a big thing for the bombers uh you know years ago we we don't talk about it as much right but they do have a swagger right now and you know hammer one of the players that i want to ask you about is morgan barron the pride of of halifax all due respect to to rick ralph um but um you know eight <laughs> goals. yeah absolutely rick bonus as well um you know eight goals already ties a career high uh, Dave mentioned this, uh, you know, a few post game shows ago. You know, 
if you want to look at it like a demotion, I mean, he is on the fourth line as opposed to last year with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton on the third line. And, you know, there was every reason for maybe Morgan Barron's offensive numbers to dip, but now he's on pace for a career high in goals and a career high in points. And he's just been so impressive to me. And obviously, you know, so have Axel Janssen, Fialbi, and, and Dom Toninato on the fourth line, the mad line, as I'm calling it, Hammer. If you want to get that going with the Winnipeg Free Press crew, um, I, you don't have to give me any credit. Just start calling it the mad line. But, I mean, just how impressive has Barron been for you? Because it just seems like this guy does it all. So, as I'll start off by saying this. I kind of like the damn line better than the mad line, just because okay. it's like, that damn line, man. That damn line again. You know how many times you're saying that damn line is doing it again for the Winnipeg Jets? But hey, if you want, man, I'll write Matt in the paper. Um, but but Jeff, as a good rule of thumb in all aspects of your life, mm-hmm. whatever as he says, do the opposite. Yeah, and Jeff, yeah, no. just and Jeff, I should interject quickly that Ed Tate once fabulously made that mistake of listening to me and then putting the GST and crediting IC. And it was like the top of the paper, and uh, well, we still got it hanging somewhere. But uh, so, if you do that, we will we'll love you forever, is what I'm saying. Hammer, it's been like there 12 years since my last big line name, so I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just I'm desperate to stay relevant, Jeff. Yeah, I know. I can. And it's it, that's the part that's resisting me, as is as it's like your your desperation is so palpable to get this through that it's just like I you know it's I'm less encouraged to do it. But you know what, man? It, I also have sympathy for you on this too, so I'll, I'll push it right through. So I'm, I'm going between two emotions. But out of respect for you, I'll answer your question. Um, Morgan Barron, man, yeah, absolutely. Like I think Morgan Barron is an example of a guy who is, you know, you'll look at what he's done and he might say, okay, if there's an injury to this, you know, a second, a top six player, that Morgan Barron might be a nice little fit, you know, to move up and get rewarded for his play. I like where he is right now. I think if this is going to be a Winnipeg Jets team that goes deep into the playoffs, you need a, a guy like Morgan Barron where he's at in the NHL right now on your fourth line. Like that to me is an elite fourth line player. Is he capable of playing up the lineup? Absolutely. But I think when you when you look at his when you look at the you know that that entire line, they are out doing other teams you know, fourth line. And in some cases playing up against, you know, teams top, you know, better lines or whatever, but that's, I think you found a perfect spot for Morgan Barron because he's more talented. You know, he's more, he's more talented than to be on a fourth line. You know, that, that, that's just the case, but you need those mixed mismatches throughout your lineup. And that's why I think you're getting to see, you know, the success of the fourth line is you finally found a trio that works well together. That is hardworking. That goes after the puck. And I mean, this is a guy who can, who's constantly being compared to his younger brother, who's a defenseman. I think he's uh, a little bit sick of, uh, you know, having Justin be, uh, you know, kind of the head of the household. So he's, he's taking some of his bank, but this is a guy, you know, when, when the, when the Jets acquired him in that trade with New York, you know, this is a guy that they were really high on. They, you know, they, they felt like, like I, I know a few other teams in the NHL that this guy was bubbling to become an NHL regular and that his potential, you know, a lot of scouts will be like, this guy's a, you know, bottom six forward, you know, yada, yada. I think Morgan Barron has has higher potential than that, and you just need to show that potential. And I, I give a lot of credit to Rick Bonus uh, years ago. Rick Bonus in that offseason after that, fir- you know, his first year t- taking over coach, he went out golfing with him on the East Coast, kind of got his head right, because I think Morgan Barron was one of those guys that was coming into a hockey team where the culture wasn't all that friendly for guys trying to crack the lineup. And I think you look at Jansen Harkins, you look at other guys that have had to make their way up in that fourth line role. It hasn't been a really great or inviting place. 
And I think that Rick Bonus acknowledged that, understood that there was a bit of a hierarchy when it came to the Jets locker room. And I think that's why the C was stripped from Blake Wheeler. And then he went out of his way to talk to those guys who I think were not really looking you know, as the Jets as their future team and to convince them that this was a place that they should be, you know, developing and this is a place that they would get opportunity and that 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 if, if they worked hard that they would get that opportunity. And that's what we're seeing with bonus. And I think you're just seeing the maturation of a guy in Morgan Barron as a professional hockey player, right? I mean, this is just another year as a pro, another year comfortable in this league. And like like anybody, like all of us in, in, in our respective industries, I like to think we all kind of have a little bit of an imposter syndrome where we have to get through that mental hurdles of like, do we belong here? And I think what you see with Morgan Barron and the confidence that he's shown throughout this last year and a bit, I think he's just maturing and, and getting that comfort level that that allows him to take the next step as a pro. And it's a great thing to watch because he's a guy that, you know, he's been very open. Uh, he's a very open guy, a very kind guy, an honest guy, you know, doesn't cheat the game, works hard. And to see those guys get rewarded for their work, uh, you know, no, you know, I think anybody, whether you're a teammate or, or someone that covers this team or, or as a fan of this team or otherwise, uh, can look at a guy like that and say, wow, that's a great, you know, it's great what he's doing and, and keep it going. Saturday morning, you're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and our guest, the always loquacious and opinionated Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press, joining us for more Jets talk. Well, Jeff, we're, we're 15 minutes into this chat, and we haven't even talked about the Jets goaltending. Mm-hmm. And you talk about consistency. Well, Connor Hellebuck and Lauren Bressois, they, they started off the season, respectively, a little cool by uh, their standards. 13 goals against Connor Hellebuck in his first three games. I think it was 10 for Laurent Brassois in his first three games. And since then, both guys putting up quality starts and putting up quality numbers. Connor Hellebuck, 228 goals against, 921 save percentage. Laurent Brassois, 230 goals against, 920 save percentage. You're getting exemplary goaltending. Connor Hellebuck, of course, going to his fourth all-star game named third uh, you know, star of the month for the NHL. I mean, if you look at his save percentage, the last five games, exemplary. You look at what Lauren Brassois did last night for the Jets in Anaheim. It's phenomenal. I mean, what are you seeing? Are you seeing anything different or is it simply just a, a function of they're at the top of their game, but also the team is playing much better in front of them? Yeah, I'd lean towards the end of that that question, Dave. I, I think it's one of those things that they're not being asked to do as much anymore. They're not being asked to bail out teams nightly. You know, this, this 28 games of three goals or fewer is not a, you know, there's definitely been moments in games where, where Lauren Brassois and you know, you can point to, you know, Alex Kalorn's save last night, you know, for mm-hmm. having to come up big and, and, and make and those saves having, you know, big, big, impactful me- meaning in the game. But it hasn't been like a, you know, a hang out, this team hang out to dry. I think that mm-hmm. in, in a way, I almost feel like the, the you know, Connor Hellebuck and, and Laurent Bressois, Connor Hellebuck more, more specifically, has almost had to adjust and find like a, a bit of a new, you know, like within this new system. And I think we've, I think we're, we've seen that now. I think we've seen a guy who feels very comfortable in the system is very comfortable in front of the, the D man. I think this, and again, that breeds confidence, right. Of, of, of uh, playing it. And then you look at Laurent Bossois. I mean, <laughs> how many games was it like two or three games, his first two or three starts where, where fans were saying, we need a, you know, we need a new guy here. Like we need to yeah. go out and look for, 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 you know, where, where's David Riddick? Is he available? You know, like, you know? Uh, Careful what you wish for to a guy that, you know, had such a great season. And you look at Laurent Bersouai, he almost works best when it's a pressure cooker. Look at his season last year. I mean, a lot of it's remembered for, you know, what, what he was able to do in the playoffs, particularly against the Winnipeg Jets in the first round, but his journey throughout the year was nothing but a rocky road, including mm-hmm. stints in the AHL or, mm-hmm. you know, so 
to me, it's a guy that I, I think every, I think he had a tough, you know, he had a tough, I don't know, start to the year, obviously statistically, but I also think it was an adjustment for a guy who just came off the Stanley cup winning season to nestle in beside a goalie who is he's friends with for sure. And they have a great relationship and, and, and they both make each other better. And we've heard that from both of them, especially this week, as you mentioned, Hellbuck has been, Hellbuck has been nom- nominated for the all-star game, but you, you have a guy who I think had to adjust to kind of taking a back seat. And we all know that, that, you know, being the number two goalie is not an easy job. You, you, you get the games that are like the end of a road trip or you, you know, lack of sleep. And it's just like, you got to be ready. And um, I think it took, Laurent Brassois to just adjust a little bit, and now he's feeling comfortable under the system. And, of course, the players are playing better in front of them. And I think the Jets are – I mean, clearly the Jets are taking a certain pride here of limiting the number of goals. Like, I think they buy into the streak. Oh, yeah. I think they love the idea that, you know, people are talking about, you know, 20-plus, almost getting up to 30 games straight without a with, – with allowing three goals or fewer. So there's a, a personal pride to that. And, you know, those are two quality goaltenders, man, and that's what you need. And, and, and Laurent Brassois is going to be taking more – more games from from Connor Hellebuck, I imagine here, especially if the Jets keep rolling, because you want to you don't want to have Connor Hellebuck feeling overworked. There's a reason why Connor Hellebuck hasn't really stolen, if you will, a lot of playoff matches because by the end of the season he's run so hard, and the Jets are mm-hmm. so used to having to hammer the gas pedal for the last three four weeks of the season to get into the playoffs that they become a playoff team a month before they need to be a playoff team. And that's, we all know how grueling it is to win a Stanley cup. So I just think it's, you know, you get that confidence from your goalies, the goalies get that, uh, the players get the confidence from the goalies, the goalies get the confidence from the defense they see in front of them. And we're just seeing a perfect storm here of everybody feeling good and everybody playing good. And it's something that players like Mason Appleton used to talk about all the time that, you know, and it echoes what bombers say is that, and other successful teams where if, if everyone's having success in the standings, everyone's going to get paid. Everybody's going to be viewed as valuable. Uh, and I think they're finally understanding the power of that right now. It's amazing that their numbers are almost identical now. Hellebuck and Brassois, 921 save percentage, 920 save percentage, 2.28 goals against, 2.3 goals against. I mean, I know you did. It's just I want to reiterate how remarkable it is. Two words, William Jennings. Yeah, well, there you go. You're right about that, Ezzy. Jeff Hamilton, our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. You know, Hammer, the trade deadline is two months away. And rather than talk about, you know, specific needs or who the Jets might acquire or what they might be targeting, you know, I, I, you know, oftentimes when you go out on the deadline and you acquire a player, it can be a bit of a transition for bringing that player into the dressing room. It might cause some upheaval in the room. The way the Jets are currently rolling and the way that dressing room seems to be and the way that culture seems to be, should this be less of a concern this year for the Winnipeg Jets than maybe some other teams? You know, when Paul Stasny came in when he was acquired from the Blues, it was seamless. But the yeah. next year, when Kevin Hayes came in, it was it didn't work out quite as well. I would it's, argue they didn't utilize Hayes. As I well agree. As I, I, yeah, your I, point stands. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there as well. That Paul mm-hmm. Maurice didn't use Hayes where he should have and how he should have, and that was an error and possibly you know part of the reason why it didn't look proper. But the way this Jets team is is culturally and and a close knit uh, you know unit. Do you think that sort of that 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 acclimatization period will be less of an issue this year than maybe in previous years? I think, I think you're, I think it's a great question because I, and I also believe 
the answer to that question is going to be determined over the next six weeks here, like, you know, heading into the trade deadline, because I think the Jets are making it harder. The players are making it harder and harder and harder to, you know, encourage Kevin Shovelday off to give away assets for, for, you know, to at the trade deadline to boost a team that's already playing pretty well. And I think there's a couple different factors in play. A big injury would certainly be, you know, one of those that would, I think, create the Jets, uh, you know, being more active or, or going after, going after, you know, bigger name players, if you will. I think if they maintain the way they are now, playing consistent, consistently can remain healthy, can get Kyle Connor back. I think you're looking at more of like a depth winger and probably more of a bigger more experienced D-man that isn't, you know, probably a guy who, you know, who's going to cost you much or whatever. I mean, the Jets will try to find the best player and the best opportunity. Um, but at the same time, as I say that, you talk to players, man, and it's like, yeah, you go, there's definitely players out there that that believe in the team and want, and, and want to, you know, want to see management reward this team and not shake things up and not replace guys who have been in the lineup. Uh, especially if the Jets continue to play the way they're playing, you know, if they can continue to be a team that's letting three goals or fewer, why would you, why would you want to mess with that? That being said, there's lots of players in locker rooms that, that, that want to get to the deadline in the position that the Winnipeg Jets are because players want to come here. Players want to come to the top team in the NHL. So Mm -hmm. you, you'd be crazy not to want to You'd be crazy not to want to add pieces because the playoffs is hard. It's a different beast. So, you know, you what what you're seeing in the regular season and what we're going to be seeing over the next six weeks and so is when teams start to ramp up. We're really going to see who the Winnipeg Jets are here. And I think what we've seen suggests, you know, very favorably that they're going to continue to be the team that they're going to be and going to continue to battle. But the games are only going to get tougher. And if you're in and if you do maintain the position you have right now in the standings, it would be bananas not to explore every wicked opportunity to boost this lineup. It doesn't, you know, to bring in guys that want to come here that maybe ever would ever have Winnipeg on their list. And I think you need to take advantage of that. And I got some crazy tinfoil hat things that I think the Jets could do if they get to that situation. Oh, um, but do, I also yeah, think, do, do, do share. We're crazy here. We love tinfoil. I've been thinking about it for days and it's, and it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, is this going to be like when Costanza figures out a way to get bonds and Griffey in the same outfield. I think that the Winnipeg Jets, if they can maintain what they're doing right now, need to swing for the fences for Sidney Crosby. Wow. (laughs) There's no chance. Come on. If the Pittsburgh Penguins fall off the map in the next month by the trade deadline, he's going to get moved this year. I believe that Sidney Crosby will get moved this year. I think the number one place he's probably going to get moved if he wants wants to be dealt is going to be Colorado. I think there's the Leafs that are probably going to be interested in a guy like him, but I think the Winnipeg Jets, wow. man, wow, could it would be? Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Hey, I know hey, it's crazy. Hey, I'm, I know I'm, people are going to go. I'm, could I'm, you imagine it? The see, imagine just imagine just for a second, even if it's just whatever. It's ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous. I know it's crazy. But just how like the Jets need a centerman. They need an experienced guy. This is a guy. You know, it would be like the craziest thing in the world. But why not, man? And here's here is the reason why. 
I think there's a sliver of hope, and this is going to get me in a lot of trouble. A lot, a lot of trouble with fans. We like that. We like that. A lot, a lot of trouble with fans. And I know, you know, like I know people are going to be looking at me like I'm crazy, and that's fine. That's fine. The Pittsburgh Penguins absolutely love Rutger McGrody. So any any deal going the other way for a Sidney Crosby would require losing him in a trade. Okay, and I so know. to me, like, so again, <laughs> I'm doing tinfoil hat now, and people are Rutger is untouchable, Jeff. He's untouchable. I probably no, lost not some credit, Crosby. Some credit, yeah, yes, credibility with fans here and whatever. Maybe I'm just spicing it up for a for a for a you know a, a Saturday morning. I see you went too far, Hammer. I just think it would be a fascinating thing. And what if? What if, man? Because no, the reality hey, is, is this is the Jets are going to be contenders for two more years, in my opinion. This is the we the, the Jets have at least two years the window here. It, yeah, at least, but especially two years. I think this year and next year they're going to be a very solid team with the way you know guys are going to eventually get older and decline. Yada. I think these two years are going to be massive years. And Sidney Crosby just so happens to be under contract with the Penguins for this year and next year. So, just our, say our, our producers alerting us that from now on, all guests need to be drug tested before they appear <laughs> on, on the show. You're getting that in my earpiece right now. I was now. like, I was like, oh, Jeff, I'm unless, screwed, unless, unless screwed. hey, you know what? Maybe, hey, you know what? Bring it on. Bring on the comments. You know what? I love, I love the hate as much hey, as I love the love. Well, so, you know what? We bring you on because you're gonna give an it. opinion. You're gonna, hey, we're gonna ask when, you a question. Hey, you're gonna give us an answer. And when 87 is lining up. At center for the first playoff game in Winnipeg, and everyone said that Jeff Hamilton was a lunatic. And what does this guy know? Yeah, I know. Well, I think what are the comments right now? Is this wait, is there some comments? This guy on edibles, this guy drinking, like yada yada. Well, some people are like now. Take a test. Take a test, boys. I'm sober. I promise. Jeff, some people are loving it now. The only issue <laughs> is that it about. might it might requ- it might require the Jets to have a hundred million dollar cap next season because i don't know that they could make it work but i mean look obviously if you can get Sidney crosby uh what do you mean they could make it work uh well that's going up yeah but that actually has a surprisingly affordable contract all things considered yeah it would he's at eight he's at 8.7 million jeff and and the jets and the and the increase is being taken by hellebuck and shifley anyway so they they don't have the the cap space to handle it yeah. If it's on but the table, dream. you do it, and then you figure it out later. That's, that's true. What, figure that's it out later. Yeah, exactly. You figure it out later. You know, and then <laughs> you know, Sidney Crosby leading the leading the leading the uh, Stanley Cup parade down Portage of Maine, and everyone's you know, it's wild. Well, at Hammer, wow. at the very least, it's fun to think of the possibility of Sidney Crosby oh, exactly. on an that's, already stacked Jets thank team. Thank you, guys, right? for bringing some reason to this. That's exactly yeah. why I brought it up. I think yeah. it would be fascinating. Look at the Jets' needs. I'm not saying he'd come here, but holy smokes, would that be hilarious? It'd be absolutely. awesome for the Winnipeg Jets and their fans. And it would be, I think, it would put the Jets over the top. It'd be absolutely insanity. Well, it would, okay, address, so... it would address the face-off issue, that, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Sid's definitely good at face-offs. I think he's at 60% now, isn't he? It's something like that. He's also at, what, 21 goals this year? I mean, he's he's having a phenomenal well, season. I've said this well, before. I think, the, I think he's the second greatest player of all time. I know that that's a hot take right there, but I think after Gretzky, he's the second greatest player of all time. I think but, he's better than Lemieux, but that's, that's a bit of Well, that's, you know, Mario Lemieux's my favorite player of all time, Dave, so yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not the only one. But Hammer, let's, let's get off the Gretzky-Lemieux-Crosby debate for a second here, <laughs> yeah. and let's get to Michael Russo's article, because obviously sure. a lot of people in the chat are waiting for this, a lot of people watching, listening on podcast. I mean, First off, I can't believe we're still talking about this because this happened, what, six days ago, seven days ago? We're still talking isn't it, about isn't this. Isn't it a beautiful thing, though? Like, isn't it a beautiful well, thing that, we're, that, that everyone's talking about the NHL yes. and there's drama and, and you're probably going to have fans driving from 
Minnesota, and you're going to have a packed house on February 20th when this team returns. I think more of this would be an awesome thing, you know? I agree with you. This is great for the sport. It's great for Jets fans and, and Wild fans. But look, at, let's get right into it here. Because sure. Michael Russo's article, for me, doesn't make sense. What Ryan Hartman say is, first off, he said that his hit on Nikolai Ehlers that knocked him out and was clearly a dirty hit that got him suspended, he said that was a clean hit. So right off the bat, I think he loses all of his uh, credibility there. But the thing about the article that stands out to me mm-hmm. is that Ryan Hartman in the article is quoted as saying, and obviously this is not a direct quote, he's saying that Cole Perfetti multiple times asked him, because he was mic'd up, to admit that that was intentional. And to me, that just doesn't seem likely. Like, it seems like to me, again, this is my own personal opinion, Hammer. I'm not putting words in your mouth or anybody's mouth. It seems like what Ryan Hartman is saying is BS. Like, it seems like he's just making up stories. What is your take on Michael Russo's article? Because obviously, um, you know, he gave Ryan Hartman an opportunity to basically admit that he intentionally high-sticked Cole Perfetti, and he doubled down. Hmm. So you just want me to comment on the article or the last 10 days? Well, well comment on the last 10 days, I think. I mean, and I think it's well, the, article, the article, though, has added the, yeah, the article has added to note that, you know, in his role right there, Russo is basically a stenographer of Hartman. He's not challenging Hartman. You know, you know about the veracity of his comments. He's just basically transcribing them and putting them out into the ether. Sure, that's what. So I mean, to 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 attribute, you know, to to place blame on Russo for what he wrote. Blame, blame on Russo. I was just asking Jeff what his opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on, yeah, it, yeah. It's still an article, Drew. It's an yeah, article so, that's so written so by I'll, Michael I'll, Russo. I'll say, I'll so what are your comment? What are your thoughts, Hammer? Sorry. Yeah. On sorry. Ryan Hartman saying. The thing that stood out for me was that he was saying that Cole Perfetti baited him during the game. Also, he said that multiple players told him. For, so Ryan Hartman is saying that he was talking to Jets players in the third period about what Cole Perfetti was trying to get him to admit. It just seems like this is a made-up story by Ryan Hartman. What's your thoughts? So about the story in particular, I thought, okay, because, I mean, there's a bunch of truths within, within you and Drew's back and forth. Like with you have to understand Michael Russo's role to a certain degree. Now, beat reporters who cover teams cover that team. So if something happens in a game, so if 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 when Nikolai Ehlers gets trucked by Ryan Hartman, I was at that game. I'm not writing Ryan Hartman's take on it. You know, right. like I'm writing, I'm writing Nikolai Ehlers. You know. Being on the receiving end. If it's Ehlers delivering that hit, I'm writing on Ehlers delivering the hit and the result of it. So you come from that. So there is a there's a service that you know people want to know in Minnesota um, what Ryan Hartman has to say. People in Winnipeg want to know. They don't have to agree with them, but but the Wild fans want to know. And so that's Michael Russo's job is to provide an opportunity to reply to Cole Perfetti's comments, right? Because it could have died right then and there, right? right? Like it could have died, but Cole Perfetti, and I'm not blaming Cole Perfetti. You can say whatever you want. It was great. But reintroduce the topic. If Cole Perfetti doesn't talk about it, if he goes to the mics and goes, you know what? It is what it is, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. No one's talking about it. Ryan Hartman's not answering about it. Um, you know, maybe he is, but in a different context. Like he's not asked, he's not being asked to comment on, on Perfetti's uh, comments. The Where it gets blurry for me, is 
Michael Russo decided to go out and just lay claim to premeditated abuse on on Kirill Kaprizov by the Winnipeg Jets when you look at his Twitter history and particularly the first injury that was the result of Logan Stanley falling on him he previously reported that that Kaprizov said it was an accidental hockey play that he didn't feel like he was being you know whatever so in that moment Michael Russo got emotional and it got the best of him because he is you know there is an element of wanting to sell to, you know, Mizzou, but he's also immersed with that team. He travels with those people. He's with those teammates. So you develop relationships and rapports, and it can it can often change your opinion or, or skew your opinion. Where I think he crossed the line was just a ridiculous tweet, what he did. So when he retweets, when he tweets that, like the Jets have come out and, you know, done this and blah, 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 and, you know, the hunting of this and, and, and just speculation, right, without proof. Mm-hmm. You, you, you then read his article with Ryan Hartman. So this is the problem with sports journalism a lot is that opinion blends with reporting. And so when you when your opinion's made known to everybody where you stand, and unfortunately for Russo in this case, because everyone has opinion, it's clearly biased. And it's, not, and it's clearly biased because of his own reporting. So he's contradicting himself. So you've now planted the seed of where you stand opinion-wise and now you step back and say, "Well, I got to give Ryan Hartman his opportunity to go." It doesn't jive well, and then and and so like, of course, fans are gonna, you know, especially look, man. I'm not gonna get into a, a mind of a fan. I, 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 you know, they're 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 the reason why we have jobs. They're the they're sometimes the reason why we hate our jobs. It's just it's it's a it's a cycle of whatever. And so you know, I think you have to have thin you have to have thick skin in this in the in this industry. I mean. If I responded to every person who called me an idiot or a moron or yada, 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 I wouldn't have any time to do my job. And and the funny part is, it's like you, it just comes with the territory. So you're either comfortable with it or you're not comfortable with it. Right. And so mm-hmm. but so obviously with Michael Russo, he got the better of him when he told one of those one of the fans to F off. I'd never do that, man, because I don't want like even if it does get to me, and we're all human. Like there's there's certain um there's certain things that fans will say, man, that I'll just be like, if you catch me in the right mood, I got to like, I call it my, uh, I call it my chamber. It's called my, my gun chamber. It's my, it's my Twitter drafts. So I write out about to eviscerate somebody and who caught me in a weakness moment. Might've just called me a moron or just whatever. And Please I write it down those in a tweet and hammer. I send it to, and I send it to drafts. So if you, if anyone's ever going to, if ever, if anyone's ever going to uh, hack my phone, First place to go is I have a full list of passwords on my notebook, and the second place you're going to want to go to is my Twitter is my Twitter drafts because that's where all my feelings are when it comes to it. Because I don't want people like I don't need someone to know they got to me. Because if you start telling people to f off and buzz off and yada yada, people know it gets to you, right? So they'll continue to do it. That's what that's what the online part of the business. It's all just it's all just ridiculous, right? It's just vitriol and people get so angry about things. And I have the benefit, man, where I cover stuff outside of hockey that truly matters in our community and, and, and does things like I I'm, I'm lucky enough to investigate work. So I can kind of, can just kind of compartmentalize the bullshit that we deal with sports with the real life stuff that matters to Manitobans and Winnipeg. So I, I kind of have a better grasp of that. Clearly Michael Russo got caught on the wrong time, wrong place. And then, does the Hartman stuff. And so when you're reading the Hartman stuff, do I have an opinion about whether this is true and back and forth? I don't know. I haven't heard the tapes. I don't know if Perfetti's telling the truth or it's probably somewhere in the middle. Is Ryan Hartman taking advantage of the fact that 
you know, they're not releasing the tapes and we'll never truly know. Maybe, maybe, but who cares? But Hammer, <laughs> like the Wild, the Jets sent, and this is according to Michael Russo's yeah. reporting, that the Winnipeg Jets sent a portion of the audio to the Wild. My question is, why would the Wild not want that to be released if it was if if it wasn't incriminating? Oh, I think you answered your own question, Ezzy. <laughs> well, here, so 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 here's so I, I don't even know if it's that cut and dry. Why should the Minnesota Wild hand over tape that makes it like why would what would you want the Jets to hand over the tape to the Wild so they can they can go on their social medias? Like, let's just sit. Let's just stop and think for a second. Take out what jersey you're wearing right now and ask if you would want. And at the, on, on top of that, why would the Players Association want to go through this precedent of handing over audio to a thing that's not supposed to be public consumption when it can be negative? Like that's part of the PA rule book is that you can't have any of that stuff used against you. So why would you air that stuff out, even if you could prove a point or not? I mean, again, would we all love clarity on this? Would we like to know who's fibbing and go after them and spend another day on Twitter saying some of the most ruthless things we can come up with to Ryan Hartman? Yeah, probably there's a handful of this section of society that would absolutely love that. But it's just, I mean, it, to me, it's the drama of it all. And, and I kind of dig that part. I dig that people will care about a game game 39 of 82 because some guy did an idiotic thing. I don't condone the actions. I don't condone what Ryan Hartman did. The Winnipeg Jets are getting them where it matters on the scoreboard. And that's why you're not seeing them respond. Everyone goes, look at the Minnesota wild. Like they're, they're falling apart. To me, this is, this is exposing them. Like they, they were one of the hottest teams. They were, they were one of the shittiest teams and then they fired their coach and then became one of the hottest teams mm-hmm. beating the Boston Bruins twice on the same week that everybody was celebrating the Winnipeg Jets being in Boston. So they're riding high and then they run into the freight train that is the Winnipeg Jets and get absolutely railroaded. They went from feeling really, really good to probably not making the playoffs in nine days. So that that's part of the frustration too. So this is just the beauty of hockey and emotion and anger. And this part, part that I love, I think we could temper some of the personal insults here and maybe come back to reality. Cause I know Michael Russo got comments you know, threats and stuff like that. He claims, I think that's a big reason why he was, was on a phone yesterday, on a phone yesterday. And that's probably, I would put my money on. That's the reason why Jamal Myers and, and, uh, and Sammy Constantino didn't show up yesterday because they were getting vitriol messages from the, the general public. So, you know, to me, it's like, you know, I like that stuff, but it's, I don't like all of the stuff that comes with it. Well said, Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Always a great appearance here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Jeff, you fired up the crowd. You fired up Is everybody. It? Is that you, it? Are we done? If you want to stick around, you're welcome to stick around for more. I mean, we're not going to make you. We're not going to make Twitter you drafts, Hammer. Pardon me? <laughs> Show us the yeah, Twitter drafts. Twitter drafts. Maybe I'll do like MPI does, and I'll put up my top five every year, just <laughs> uh, and, and provide a couple sentence context to it. I don't. I, I'm uh, I'm all good for whatever, guys. But I did have a great time either way. So whatever you guys want, I'm in for. But uh, certainly enjoy being on. You're a beauty hammer. We love having you on every time. We appreciate it, Jeff. Have a great rest of your Saturday. We'll do it again real soon. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press, our guest this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. There he goes. That was always tons of fun. When we come back, we'll do more on the Winnipeg Jets and Frankie Corrado of TSN. He was on the post. He was on the between intermissions yesterday. He joins us in about 15 minutes time for more Jets talk. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. We're live on a Saturday morning. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. 
Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Jon Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party, even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rolly's and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center and they whitened my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go... We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs from restorative to cosmetic dentistry and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed fanalytics to test if the game is better at home or at Boston Pizza. The results are irrefutable. Catch the game at Boston Pizza. Powered by Fanalytics. So you're a pizza person. You married a wing person. But somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. We did it again. You're on fire, man. There's power in a handshake. After a great game or great deal, it shows professionalism and respect. Two qualities Zapia Group Realty take pride in. You don't build a business where 95% of your clients are referred by others without honesty, integrity, and total dedication to client satisfaction. To sell your home for more in less time, shake hands with Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Get started at zapiagroup.com. 10.15 Saturday morning, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show rolls on. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsburg with you. A reminder, tomorrow night, the 4-4 four and four concludes with the Illegal Curve postgame show after the Winnipeg Jets and the Arizona Coyotes do battle. It'll be about an 8.30 p.m. Uh, postgame show start time, so be sure to be back here and join us for everything that goes on between the Jets and the Coyotes. I already told it- you you guys i'm taking that game off because i need to sleep yes as he needs to sleep so dave m and i will drive the bus on uh, tomorrow evening after the jets and Just drive, the don't coyotes. drive the bus over me Drew. i thought that was what you were gonna say there <laughs> I, I meant we're just driving the illegal curve bus i'm not necessarily driving it over anybody specifically if it happens by happenstance then so be it but i'm not i'm not planning on running you down or anything along those lines in any event the jets I'm trying are to think off. what's in that illegal curve bus dave like balloons and and confetti and uh, Davey Gustafson, yeah, and obviously <laughs> Gus Bus driving it. 
That's right, exactly. Uh, off day for the Jets, as we know, the uh, there is no media availability for the Winnipeg Jets. They're enjoying a day on the links, I believe, with their mentors, their yeah. fathers, their uncles, their brothers, Shout their out grandfathers. To Chuck who follows me on Twitter? No big deal. That's that's basically as his dream come true. Is uh, Chuck Chuck Hellebuck's video, his, his vlog from behind the scenes, has been kind of entertaining though. It's so been unbelievable. First off, uh, give a shout out to to Garrett Kozier. I'm not sure if you guys know him. Uh, I got to know. I remember him. He used to be a bartender at Confusion Confusion Corner Bar and Grill, which obviously I spent much of my formative years. um, And he made a good comment. People pay for a name like Chuck Hellebuck. (laughs) I thought that was funny. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he's been great. And and the revelation that Chuck Hellebuck, he has 300,000 subscribers on YouTube for his 3D printing uh, uh, channel. So uh, we need awesome. to do a, a show as a, a collab. We can uh, yeah. pick up some oh, subscribers I mean, from Chuck Ellibuck. That's that's the plan, Dave. I'm hoping he can make maybe make 3D versions of us. You know, just automated the 3D versions of us that we can maybe take a show off every now and then. Just you know, us going through the same cliche lines that we usually use. <laughs> How about those fools in Congress? LOL. Drew, if if anybody makes a 3D version of you, I'm just I'm just going to go to Siberia. Well, you know, Siberia might be a lovely place to visit. I don't know that it would necessarily be where I would go, but uh, you know, there are colder places that are there are places that are pretty colder and and, and maybe less uh, Russian related. Let's say at this you point, check the time, forecast right? next week. Here, it's going down to minus thirty. So. Well, there you go. Up. You don't need to go anywhere then. You can just go outside and, and, and call it even. Uh, the Jets, uh, like I said, Ki- against the Coyotes tomorrow. The schedule is certainly, uh, they're not in the midst of, a, I would say, an especially difficult portion of the schedule. We know where the Sharks and the Ducks uh, lie. The Coyotes uh, are a playoff team. I believe they don't, they've actually now fallen out of the playoffs, so they're no longer a playoff team. They are a point behind the Kraken and uh, the Nashville Predators. The Kraken are on a heater right now. They've won six in a row uh they're 8-0-2 in their last 10 so that's another team that uh had higher expectations that is now climbing their way up the western conference standings back into a playoff spot so the jets are in the midst of a of a of a, of a sequence of games where the you know starting thursday against the the sharks it was five in a row against non-playoff teams as they have the blue jackets and the blackhawks coming to town next week in addition to the philadelphia flyers the surprising philadelphia flyers so the jets opportunity to continue to make hay continues against some of these weaker teams and who knows if uh, Connor Bedard will be playing for the Blackhawks or not when he visits on Thursday after he took that big hit uh, a clean hit by the way by Brendan Smith yesterday uh you know against the He's playing uh, forward not de- defense right now he's actually you know I'm a Devils fan I follow this right. stuff Brendan Smith is playing on the fourth line and I mentioned this on Twitter sorry I know we're not going to spend too much time on Brendan Smith and Connor Bedard. I, 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 it sounds like Connor Bedard's not going to be out long term. By the way, right? There's no. no, there's no indication this is a serious thing. But Nick Foligno, it was reported by Mor- Mike Morreale of NHL.com, who covers the Devils. He's based in New Jersey, and you know he reported that Nick Foligno asked Brendan Smith to fight, and they fought. Well, that's what. And I then that was to... it. Nobody high sticked anybody, and nobody, um, you know, did anything stupid. And right. to me, that is the code of hockey. That's where I was going to, that's where I was going to sort of leap off from that. That's why I was bringing it up is that you're right. You know, uh, Brendan Smith levels Connor Bedard with a clean hit. Nick Felino asks him to fight as a result of laying the hit and they do so, which is exactly what happened with Middleton and, and Dylan. And it's exactly what happened with Maroon and Lowry. It was done. The code had been followed. The problem mm. is as apparently Jamal Mayers and Sam Cosentino 
can't wrap their brains around. It's amazing. Anytime you talk about the code, the goalposts always move when it comes to the code. In my in my understanding, the code is you lay a body check, you have to answer for that body check by agreeing to a fight. That's exactly what Brendan Smith did. That's exactly what Adam Lowry did. Even well, though- and we should clarify, Drew, you're talking about if if the body check necessitates a fight, not just a clean body check, but if, if in that situation, Brendan it's a Smith veteran knew player. That once, once he yeah. hit Connor Bedard there, yeah. that somebody was going to yes. ask him to fight. And that was he, appropriate. All I'm trying to say is, like, right. you don't have to fight every single time you lay a body no, check. No, That's no, you don't. But in that instance, as soon as he laid that hit, he knew he was going to have to fight as a result of it. And he had no problem with that. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, Ryan Hartman, you know, taking it to that third step or that extra degree was so unnecessary exactly. and so stupid. And look, Ryan Hartman. Uh, and, you know, Ryan, again, Hartman, Ryan Hartman is a stupid player. He's a stupid player. And, and again, with regard to the fact that you know Russo had his exclusive, I don't have a problem with how Michael Russo handled that exclusive. Again, he's not in a position there where he's going to push back on Hartman's nonsense. Now, if there was an, you know, he's in this instance, he's a transcriber, he's a stenographer, he's putting it out for people to read. What should have happened is there should have been a, a columnist who takes Hartman's comments, a columnist who might not necessarily be in that dressing room all the time or not necessarily have to deal with any ramifications from writing about it. Maybe one of the other people the Athletic employs on a more national basis can write about it and say, Hartman said what he said. He's entitled to say it. It's complete and utter uh, bullshit. That's the part that didn't get said anywhere along the lines is that it's complete and utter bullshit. And I understand why Russo didn't say it because he has to go back into that dressing room and he has to, you know, part of him getting that interview and that exclusive is to basically understand his role as strictly a stenographer in that instance. And that's the problem, as Jeff alluded to, when it came when it comes to sports journalism is sometimes you're a columnist and sometimes you're a reporter. And oftentimes the blending of both means you're not necessarily either fully. And well, that's and that's a significant issue because somebody needs to call bullshit when they are hearing bullshit and asked to just report and regurgitate bullshit. Sure, hey, Andrew. But, uh, that's fine. But I mean, at the same time, so let's not give the bullshit more air because the Minnesota Wild are currently 18 points behind the Winnipeg Jets. The Winnipeg Jets are the number one team in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And to me, like, we're just giving it more oxygen. Like, I again, like, it's done. It's done until February 20th. Like I, you know what? I was going to say this, but I didn't want to get involved on it on Twitter yesterday, but I was like the best thing that everyone can do. Jets fans mute the word wild, wild fans mute the word jets. (laughs) And like, who gives a shit anymore? Like, honestly, like I I'm, I'm over it. Like it's, it's not something that's worth talking about. Like if you're the Minnesota wild guys, you want to go, let's talk politics. You want to talk anything. This is distraction because your team's, in the tank right now, you're losing players. Although I think Zuccarello just came off of IR. But the fact of the matter is, you've lost what six games in a row. Your your chances of making the playoffs are basically nil. Hey, this well, is this is ma- the Wild are yeah, not making I, the playoffs. I, I agree with you. I agree with you, as. But my point is, so this is manna from heaven if you're the Minnesota Wild because they've got nothing else to talk about. So sure, the Winnipeg Jets as is you know, axes of evil and they're the worst thing. Again, when you look at the least penalized team, I mentioned it earlier, the Jets, one of the most penalized team, the wild. So by giving this oxygen more, like I understand it's current and some folks want to talk about it. I'm not one of them because I think 
it's at this point, I'm just annoyed by the whole, you know, fact that we're still discussing this. The Jets are the best team in the NHL right now by points, right? The Jets are playing the Arizona Coyotes tomorrow. Like to me, Ryan Hartman's words are meaningless and it's all going to be, he said, he, she said right now until I guess if the Jets, like I said, and I know folks need to understand this, the Jets may end up using the audio in that runway on January 16th. They've alluded to it. We'll yeah. see if they go through with it. No, I think they're going to use a portion of it. There's just there's an element of it that they probably couldn't. My guess is you can't use. No, 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 that's not true. No, the only thing you can't use is you you can't use it for player safety purposes. It's not that you're not allowed to use it. The reason the Jets asked to release it is because it's against the CBA. So they have to get Minnesota's permission. So they're allowed to use. They can they can use the audio, Drew. But can they use uh, can they use the audio of Hartman's voice? That's where I bet you they can't use if if the if the mic because otherwise why would they have to ask the Wild for permission to because release they want to release they want to, re- they want to release it to the player safety. What do you mean? No, nothing no, no, to do. No, but I don't think that's what they were asking about, Dave. I don't uh, think pretty... that any I, no. I, I'd be shocked if that's what the request was. My uh, my guess is that the they've. Picked I don't know. Up I don't. Hart- I don't know the ins. I don't know yeah. the ins and outs. Nor to be honest, with you do I particularly care. I just think like, like, fine. It's, so then, then, then if that's the case, then maybe it doesn't ever get, it just doesn't seem, uh, it seems unusual that they would say that they're alluding to the fact that something is going to be released. Boys, I mean, again. Yeah. I just wanted to say one thing. I know I, I agree with Dave. I'm sick of tired, sick of talking about this. We just talked to Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg free press about this. And I know we have Frankie Corrado coming on in about five minutes. I just, I screenshotted my favorite parts of Michael Russo's article. I just want to touch on one thing to me that, that just kind of gives you an idea of kind of how ridiculous what Ryan Hartman, the ridiculousness that was coming out of his mouth. This is a direct quote quote from Ryan Hartman in Michael Russo's article in The Athletic. You'd think the league wouldn't want a star player out of the league or out of a team's lineup, Hartman said. He puts people in the seats at home and on the road. He's talking about Kirill Kaprizov. He's an all-star. You think they'd protect him a little bit more. Ryan Hartman was suspended for injuring <laughs> Nikolai Ehlers, a star player of the Winnipeg Jets. He's been suspended three times and he's been fined seven times. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Hartman's talking about the league needs to protect star players. Give me a break. There you go. The Jets and the Coyotes tomorrow night. I promise we won't talk about it tomorrow night either. And I agree with you. I'd like to be done with it as well. It's amazing that this still has oxygen a week later when nothing else in the world ever lasts longer than 10 minutes. This still seven days later is is a talking point. And one last comment on it. You know where it's not a talking point, and I think that's important, is I think within the Jets dressing room. I don't think they give a damn. They don't care. Yeah, because they just keep winning. They just keep winning hockey games. That's the only a, thing they're an, worried about. It's a non-issue. Again, like it, it really isn't. A, it it isn't something that these guys are talking about, right? Like it's it's it was done on again, as Mike McIntyre Poe said, and and you guys, one of you guys mentioned it earlier. They're 18 points up on the on on the Minnesota Wild. The Minnesota Wild are a non-factor to the Winnipeg Jets. The only thing the Winnipeg Jets right now are thinking about are the Arizona. Well, right now about golfing in Arizona and then tomorrow the Arizona Coyotes there you go the, and the exactly right and then we'll have coverage of the Jets and the Coyotes all day tomorrow on illegalcurve.com and then tomorrow evening after the Jets and the Coyotes the illegal curve post game show back here on our YouTube channel as well with all of our social media platforms if you haven't already done so folks this morning be sure to smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel that way you don't miss a second of any of the shows that we broadcast also want to give a big shout out to a lot of our sponsors rumors restaurant and comedy club linden market dental center zapia group realty betway 
Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rolly's Transfer, and Farmery Beer. These great companies support the legal curve. So in return, you should support these great companies. When we come back, more on the Winnipeg Jets. Frankie Corrado joins us to talk about the team from Winnipeg, the team that is atop the NHL standings. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg, one final commercial message. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on this Saturday morning. Bottom of the hour, welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you on a Saturday morning. We're thrilled to welcome back to the program after a late night. It's an early morning. Frankie Corrado from TSN joins us this morning on the show. Frankie, appreciate your time. How you doing this morning? Happy New Year to you. I'm good. Uh, thank you. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. Uh, I got to be honest, things were moving quick here this morning, so I could only comb my hair with a pork chop that I had kicking around in the fridge. Um, so we're good. We're, we're ready to go. The hair looks good. Yeah, you're still looking better hair-wise than I am, at least on the top of the head. I, you can't speak to the beard or anything along those lines. Uh, Frankie, we appreciate you joining us. We appreciate your time, as always. Uh, you know, you did last night's game. We'll start there. You did last night's uh, between-period analysis between the Jets and the Ducks. You've done it a number of times throughout the course of this year so far, so you're definitely keeping a, an astute and keen eye on the Jets. Last night's game specific, what stood out to you the most regarding a Jets team that just continues to be a wagon rolling downhill and seemingly relatively unstoppable i think like last night wasn't exactly a pretty game and mm -hmm. it, that's the case a lot of nights with the jets it's, it's not a pretty game but at the end of the day they're more often than not they're in a position to win and we were talking about it during the game how like the offensive zone was going to be the key for them to win that game and, and kevin sawyer pointed it out really well uh, in the first period, how Anaheim had this like man-on-man -man coverage where they're literally going to follow you everywhere around the ice. When the Jets were able to expose that, you could see the kind of space they could create in the offensive zone. And that's when things were going really well. Um, you know, so, so there's probably some sloppy play early on. And there was a good interview after the, the second intermission where uh, I can't remember who got interviewed. But it was the Jets player basically said that um, they're just it, it might have been Ehlers. It was it Ehlers. Been Ehlers. It was Ehlers. Yeah, yeah, it was Ehlers. He was saying that the, the Jets right now at that point in the game were just handing off their problems to other players on the team. And that's going to happen. But you win the game. Your goaltender, of course, gives you a chance to win. And you get a big goal in the third period. And the third period has been brilliant for the Jets all year long. I can't tell you how many times I've logged off to, to do the, the intermissions at a 1-1 at a game, and then it's like, oh, there's a goal, and the Jets are going to win this game. So they, <laughs> they kind of have a game plan that they stick to, and they deserve to be where they are at the top of the standings in the NHL because they've stuck to it all year long, and they've created something here where it's like they, they kind of know the internal standard that's required on a game-to-game -game basis, and they do it on a night-to-night -night basis. Frankie, I just want a quick sort of uh, addendum to what you were out, you're you talking about there. You mentioned the Ducks and they play that man-to-man -man system in their own zone. You know, from a player's perspective, is that a more taxing way to try and defend in your own zone than 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 playing a, a either a hybrid or or a zone? Like, you know, walk us through from a, the player's perspective. You know, what it's like to try and play in that kind of system, especially when you are maybe, and I, with all due respect to the Ducks, you don't necessarily have as much talent on the ice as your opponents uh, on, a, on a relatively regular basis. 
Yeah, you know what? It's not even the talent for me. It's more between the ears. Because when you implement a man-to-man system, you've now eliminated all the thinking out of it. When you have to play something a little more nuanced where there's some handoffs or you're kind of playing not a zone, but if you know you're playing a certain kind of layered system, then there's some thinking involved. Basically, when you tell your team we're playing man-to-man, we're saying there's no thinking. You are going to follow your player all the way around the ice, and you have to win your battle. The issue is when you lose your battle, more often than not, you're not going to have that layer of protection. So when someone spins off you, if someone, you know, like Shifley is really good at kind of putting the, the puck in between the triangle of your stick and creating a little separation that way, if that type of thing happens, now it's like, we have to reestablish who's got who. So it's, it's almost like it's a little chaotic at times. You see defensemen skating out to the blue line because their man <laughs> went all the way out there. There's teams that have done it and had some success with it for sure. But I just, I feel like with the man on man coverage, there's, there's a certain ceiling that you can hit and that's pretty much as good as it's going to get. Like the teams that are really good have this like layered coverage, like, you watch L.A., you watch Vegas, even Winnipeg. Like, Winnipeg's one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. Watch them play. You think you have someone beat, boom, there's another layer of coverage that you have to go through. And a lot of the teams I find now will give up the point shot a little more because they want to make sure that there's five bodies essentially playing three down low. And once you give up that point shot, now you can kind of expand out, get in the shot lane, force them to dump it back into the corner. Because when that puck goes into the corner, now you're getting into your your D zone coverage where you can have those layers again. So they don't have that in man-to-man coverage. There's there's less thinking involved in man-to-man coverage. And you can really expose it when you have D-man like Morrissey, like Pionk, who kind of get involved in the play like, Brendan Dillon was a great example of, of that, like not being stuck on the blue line, being able to get involved in the play offensively and get rolling around. And you create some space for your best players to, to find some offensive opportunities. You know, Frank, you mentioned earlier, you know, the Jets are one of the best defensive teams. And that obviously has been a big storyline here, considering the struggles the Jets have had in, in terms of team defense in front of Connor Hellebuck. I wanted to specifically ask you about Nate Schmidt and Dylan Sandberg. Like, these guys just don't get scored on at even strength. If you look at the advanced stats, like they're one of the best pairs in the league. Obviously, Nate Schmidt scores uh, the big goal yesterday, the winning goal. And for a guy who was healthy scratched earlier in the season, and he was heavily criticized uh, earlier in the season, I mean, you just love to see that. But just, you know, how impressed have you been specifically by the uh, third pair of the Winnipeg Jets? Because they just they're, they're just playing really good hockey right now. A lot. I, I have been impressed. And yeah, you, you, I looked on Money Puck the other day uh, to see who the top D pairs were in the NHL. I thought I saw them like pretty high up on that list. You did. So the, the thing that sticks out about them is, first of all, they move the puck like pretty efficiently. Like they're, they're efficient in the way they move it. But I find defensively, they never really overcommit to guys. Like it's rare that I see either of those guys kind of losing uh, losing a one-on-one battle where someone's able to spin off them or kind of expose them, like work their way through them. I find those guys, like they don't get weaved through. Like there's some really good players in the NHL and they can weave their way through the coverage or off the rush. It seems like those guys do a good job of steering things to the outside then putting, you know, making sure the puck goes to a situation or an, or an area where they can close quickly 
And once they do that, it's like they they have the ability to make like a, a simple, effective play. It's nothing flashy, but it works really well. Um, Sandberg's shot blocking ability has stood out to me the, the last little while. Like, I feel like he's not afraid to dive in front of one. And that's really important because there are going to be times where you need to sell out and you're, you're, you get caught in a tough spot and you're, you know, 10, 15 feet away from the shooter and you have to sell out and make that shot block. Like I find he's willing to do that. And Nate Schmidt, you know, like he's always been a good skater. There's, there's been some offensive upside to his game. And last night's a great example of recognizing that, like understanding when you can jump in and, it seemed like that was a lot of room that he had jumping in off the rush. So um, good for him for recognizing that. It's a great shot. John Gibson's a really good goalie. So anytime you score on a guy like that, if you're not like a, you know, perennial kind of goal scorer kind of player, like that's, that's a nice one to have tucked in your back pocket. Um, but that's just, you know what, like they play to what they are. They're, they're a couple bigger bodies who can move well, who move the puck in a, in a simple way and they don't get beat one-on-one in their own zone. Frankie, is, is the media making more of this than the team would, or do the players take pride in the fact that the Jets have gone 28 straight games with giving up three goals or less, and, and really they're on pace, if they can, to catch the Minnesota Wild, who had 35 straight uh, in 14-15? No, so I, so I played not in the NHL, but in the AHL. I played on a team that was really stingy defensively. We went to the Calder Cup Finals one year with Utica. That was Vancouver's farm team. Unfortunately for myself, the teams I played on in the NHL, if I was playing, we probably weren't in a good spot because they were like really low on the depth chart. So my experience with this comes at the AHL level. And that year, we led the league in victories in one goal games. And that was something we took a lot of pride in. We took a lot of pride in knowing that we could go into any kind of game and win it by, by, by a score of two to one or three to two or one to nothing. And for the Jets to be where they are, where they're not giving up more than three goals on any given night, like that's a big deal. And that's something that at this point, when you've done it as much as they have, that's forged into the identity of the team. And that's not just us watching it as analysts, as fans. That's within the group. That's on the bench. That's in the locker room. Those are the conversations. That's what you go back to and say, this is who we are. And you always have that. You have that foundation that you've built and give them a lot of credit because they've done it through their hard work and their commitment to playing a certain kind of way. But that's something that that group is going to take a lot of pride in. You know, Frankie, when a team is going well, like the Jets are going, and, and they, obviously that breeds confidence. When you walk into a dressing room or when you're a part of a dressing room that feels, you know, that, that, that feels that, the, that there's, they, they have that confidence level, does that almost give you an extra couple of inches on the ice? It just feels as though that, you know, nothing is going to be able to phase you. What's it like playing on a team or being a part of a team that has that vibe going about them? You know what it's like? It feels like you're never alone. It feels like you're never stranded on the ice. It feels like you're always going to have someone there to kind of help you out, whether it's in the defensive zone or if you're in a puck battle, you know that your guy is probably going to be the next guy in there. So you feel like you always have that support. Um, there's, there's confidence in that. There's confidence in your teammates being there for you when it comes to the play on the ice. I wouldn't say it's like a cockiness where it's like, oh, we're great. Like we can walk into any building and we can beat you. It's like, you have to have that a little bit, 
but they're not fooling themselves. Like the confidence in the group comes from the fact that you know that everyone is kind of pulling the same way and everyone's on the same page. That's where the confidence lies in, in a group that's playing really well. And that makes a dangerous group because if a lot of people are thinking that way within the room, then a lot of people are going to play at the, the highest end of their game because I know if you're thinking that way, you're relying on me. So now I can't slack. I can't be the one that's, that's not giving it my full effort or I can't be the one that's not you know, having a commitment to the game plan that we've implemented that's been really good this year. So I think that kind of mindset and the results that they've had, that breeds an internal accountability from the players on an individual point of view. And then you see the results that the team has uh, when everyone plays that way. So that's where the confidence lies for me. Frankie, we got to ask you about, you know, what's going on between the, the Jets and the Wild. I texted you uh, about this a couple of days and asked if, if it was okay if we asked you about this. And, you know, I'm going to leave it open-ended because, you know, there's there's been a lot said on social social media. I'm not sure if you saw Michael Russo's article in The Athletic, but I just wanted to get your kind of overall thoughts on, on what's been going on. And specifically, you know, the Brendan Dillon hit on Kirill Kaprizov, the fact that he's out, but specifically Ryan Hartman high-sticking Cole Perfetti, then obviously Perfetti saying that Ryan Hartman was on on audio Mike, because Perfetti was mic'd up, and basically Perfetti saying that Hartman admitted to it, but then Ryan Hartman in an article written by Michael Russo saying that he never admitted to it. So what's your take on this whole situation and, and, you know, the hockey code? Because you were an NHL defenseman. You know what the code is way better than all. I mean, we never got anywhere close to the NHL. So you know the code as opposed to us who just pretend like we know what the code is, right? So what's your whole take on on this situation that obviously is going to result in a must-watch Jets wild game on February 20th? Yeah, I don't know if I'm like, I don't know if we have that game or if I'm working that game. I may have to like request to come work that game. Like maybe me and Craig <laughs> Button will do like a two person panel that night. So here's here's where I'm well, at I'll, with I'll this. tell you what, Frankie, if you're not working that game, come join us on the Illegal Curve yes. post game show. Regardless if you're not working that game, All come right. join us on the post game show. It's a, there's see. the open invitation for you. Okay, I got to see what my schedule is. Okay. Okay. It is so a TSN let's, let's game though. Here. So for the record, it is a TSN game. Okay, perfect. Let's start here. So Brendan Dillon cross-checks Kirill Kaprizov. It, it's in a tough spot, right? It, it, everyone knows there's not a lot of protection there. Every defenseman in the NHL has cross-checked someone in that spot before. So that's pretty routine. That's a pretty routine hockey player. So, yeah, you may not like the fact that he's a star player and, and someone's targeted him, but that's it, it's a hockey play. And it's a cross check and it's probably it's a penalty. Okay. Now, if the wild wanted to exact any kind of revenge, the first thing you do is you go after Brennan Dillon. To my knowledge, did Dillon not did he oblige? Did he fight? Yeah. He, he fought did. Middleton. Okay. So at that point, you got the revenge. The guy was he, he was a willing combatant. You fought, you got your pound of flesh, or you had your opportunity to, and that's all she wrote. Like, that should be the end of it. We, we move on now when we play hockey. This situation where Hartman high-sticks Cole Perfetti off a face-off, first of all, is gutless and cowardly. And then afterwards, to go to the kid and say, I had to do that because of the Kaprizov thing, is erroneous. Like, like it has nothing to do with the Kaprizov thing. And if Hartman... If he wanted to get his kind of revenge, 
he could ask Dylan to fight. Be like, hey, you went with Middleton. I want you now. And you know what? Brendan Dillon, he's a really tough guy. He might, he might consider it. And if you want to fight someone else, talk to the captain, Adam Lowry, because he's a very willing combatant, and he'll give you one if you really want one. But here's fought, where I have Lowry, a problem. Lowry and Maroon fought the next game. Okay. Yeah. So here's where I have a problem with it as well. If you want to cause an issue on the ice and try to get some revenge, you can run around and hit guys clean within the confines of the game. Like, you can go out there and be a menace. So uh, what I'm referring to is Hartman. He could go run Morrissey. He could go run Peon. He could go run all the defensemen mm-hmm. that he wants on the Jets. And you know what that does now? If Dylan or Lowry, any of those guys didn't want to fight before, now you've called their bluff. Now they have to do something about it because you're running around and you're trying to cause a scene on the ice. He didn't do that. So he didn't do any of those things. He chose to have a gutless play to a 21-year-old kid, high stick him, a non-hockey play. He absolutely deserved to get suspended. Uh, Cole Perfetti, good for him for for saying what was up and and what the, the transaction was on the ice. And... Like, it's just, it's just one of those things where, like, the, the code is not to exact revenge by high-sticking a kid off the face-off. Go fight someone, go hit mm-hmm. someone. And if you hit enough people, chances are someone's going to give you the fight that you're looking for. So, I, to be honest with you, I thought, it was, I thought it was complete garbage. And it's not the first time Hartman's had a garbage move. There was that hit on Ehlers that that should have mm-hmm. been a, a six, seven-game suspension because that was garbage as well. And it was... It was gutless. Frankie Corrado is with TSN. You saw him last night on the between intermissions of the Jets and the Ducks, and you'll see him again on another game upcoming soon. Frankie, love it. I know you got to run early this morning, so we appreciate your time. We appreciate your insight. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. See you later. We'll do it again real soon. There he goes. Frankie Corrado joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. That's, you know what? (laughs) That's why you bring guests on, folks. You bring guests on so that they can share their insight and they can share their opinions. And that is exactly what we got from Frankie Corrado. Is Frankie not 100% right? Is that not what we've been saying for the last six days? Well, Frankie, first of all, Frankie's got some icy beer coming his way uh, if he ever comes to Winnipeg. Yeah, the people are people are funding your beer. He's your got beer. beer. We'll get him some Seagrams. We'll get him some illegal curve sandwiches from Bernstein's Deli. Anything. Tough well, he'll need a tough talk too, Kaz, when he comes. Though I'll tell you this much: Frankie is quickly becoming one of the best analysts in hockey. Well, you know what? What you saw there is just a repudiation uh, of the. You know, like I said earlier on the show, the code, the goalposts for the code keep moving, except for when. They, they're stable, and, and, and Jamal Mayers just sounded like a complete and total jackass. Uh, you know, in that in that Sportsnet panel, and, and, and you know, nothing he said really made a, made a lick of sense. Whereas you have Frankie Corrado, who played in the NHL and knows the code as well as anybody else does, saying, "Look, this is what the code is. It's exactly what we all thought the code was. You hit a guy, you do something, you answer for it, you fight." It, you know, and the old, and Joel, Drew, just I mean, now, nowhere in the code does it say high stick uh, a young player who had nothing to do with the original I, I, incident. I was going to say, so let's just go on the premise. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll with this because we're, this is the end of the. We're not talking about yeah. this. We're after, not doing this I, anymore again. after this. God, help but me. I will say we're this. talk about it tomorrow. Actually, David. yeah. So <laughs> on the show, here. as he's not on. So so go on the premise that the code was answered. 
So uh, it was everything was done as of Saturday. Now, Kirill Kaprizov's injury status in their mind changes the need for additional flesh. Okay. Hence the reason why Pat Maroon fought Adam Lowry because there was that need for additional flesh. And ultimately, even if Ryan Hartman didn't feel like that was sufficient, which I don't even care about, Frankie Corrado just said it right. Then hit someone, fight someone. But to use your stick like like that in, is a gutless move. To, to hit a guy in the face with a, that, that a, a, like a slippery, rat-like move. I, again, Ryan Hartman is tough. Ryan Hartman's fought like Kane. He's fought tough guys. Yep. I'm not saying he's a wimp. I, I think he can handle himself. So the reality is, go and fight someone. And and it's not as if he's like 10, like, you know, like six feet uh, taller than Cole Perfetti. You want to fight Cole Perfetti? I mean, I still think he's a bad choice, but I'm just saying, do something that's going to, like, that move is gutless. Like, you're not standing up for your teammate by high sticking a guy, which in theory, nobody even knew about, right? Do if, something if, to if, fire up your team is what you're saying. I mean, yeah, that, I'm just saying, like, you, know, you just, what you did was like, wow, you took a guy out for three shifts. He came back and your team lost the game. You didn't do anything to change the course of the hockey game. So, so really, even if, even if he's exact needing to exact revenge and you want to give him that latitude to say, fine, because of the injury, there was a need to do something additional, then do it, but not in the manner you did because you achieved nothing other than making yourself look stupid and putting a target on his back. But I don't think, you know, I don't right? believe the jets are going to target him. I think the jets are going to on February, the jets 20th, fans are. Well, Jets fans are sure, but I mean, fans are going to do what fans are going to do. But I think Can on February you imagine 20th, what the chants are going to be. I mean, there's going to be some beauty chants coming from Jets fans. Well, it certainly sold a lot of tickets. I would assume. I mean, I haven't really looked, but I would assume that if you were wavering, uh, maybe I'm going to go to a game. Maybe I'm not going to go to a game. I think that game on February 20th has just got an, a, a nice little boost in ticket sales. Uh, you know, as a result of all it's this, it's got to be I'm sold sure. out, right? No, I'm sure it's not sold out yet. I mean, it would be, I mean, I'd be surprised, you know, it would, it's a month out, uh, six weeks out, you know, so I'd be surprised at that, uh, you know, if it is. But whatever it is, I mean, it, it's, I, like I said, I think Frankie Corrado really summed it up pretty well there, how nothing that uh, Ryan Hartman did there made any logical sense and, and didn't do anything to actually spur on his team, didn't do anything to help on the ice and, and, and make him more of an asset. And this is a guy, remember, when Ryan Hartman was acquired by the Predators from the Blackhawks? You know, in in uh, you know when he when he went and he came to Winnipeg and he played his first game as a member of the Predators and I think he had either four or five goals against the Jets, probably four. It's a I good think memory, Drew. Whoa, this is back. You're in, right. in the, I remember that. Seventeen, eighteen. Yep. It was the first game, like after the trade deadline, if I'm not mistaken. And he had a great impact for the Nashville Predators, even during that series. He had a really good impact for the Predators. It's sort of sad to see what he's become since then. A guy who no longer can necessarily back it up on the ice with his uh, contributions on the goals and the assists, and instead is having to resort to some of these, uh, you know, less appealing shenanigans. So be it. But, you know, you certainly would, uh, you know, Ryan Hartman would be would be in a lot better place as a player if he focused on, you know, doing things on the score sheet rather than doing things in the face-off circle that have no real bearing on the game itself. That's the final word. We promise. No more. We're done. We can't handle any more on that. We've exhausted all oxygen. The oxygen on the hullabaloo about Hartman has been sucked out of the room. But we'll have a lot more oxygen to give tomorrow night after the Jets and the Coyotes. We'll talk about that as the Jets look to wrap up the road trip 
with a victory, make it a perfect three for three on the mentors trip on, on the mentors trip as the Jets look to affirm themselves right atop the NHL standings. It's going to be a good one. That'll be about 8.30 p.m. or so tomorrow night. Look, this Coyotes team uh, is, is we know what this Coyotes team is. We've seen them a couple times this year. They're nothing to write home about. They've been playing some pretty good hockey relative to their expectations. So the Winnipeg Jets will have to uh, you know, have that same attention to detail and focus on it in order to make sure that they are in the right position to be victorious tomorrow night. We'll wrap up tonight, this morning's Illegal Curve Hockey Show. As everybody wanted, we know you've been chanting for it. Here it comes, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Manuk Moose Minute. Put on your antlers, it's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. You're on mute. You had one job, and it's to unmute yourself. The I'm Manuk mute. mute minute. There you go. Now you're off. I'm not on mute. You were, but you were a second. Did you ago. unmute me? No, you unmuted yourself, I think. No, I didn't do anything. I'm telling you, I wasn't muted. Oh, there you go. It's it yeah. Come on, Drew. What are you what are you what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do here? You're trying to ruin the Manuk Moose minute by interjecting and making it all about Drew Mindell. Well, the Moose are in action twice this weekend, two matinee games. They're playing the Belleville Senators. Uh, this weekend, the Moose need to uh, get back on the winning ways because uh, the sweep last weekend in uh, Winnipeg wasn't a good way to end 2023. So they're looking to start 2024, uh, get it off to a better start. They they will be doing it without some players, though. As far as I know, I haven't I didn't get the update yesterday. They were off on Thursday, but when I spoke to head coach Mark Morrison on Wednesday, he uh, let me know that Chaz Lucius, Wyatt Bon Giovanni, and Carson Golder were most likely not playing today because uh, they're all dealing with a variety of injuries. Those injuries, of course, are uh, Bon Giovanni, that hit by Alex Petrovic in the late in the third period uh, of Sunday's game. He's got bone bruising on his knee, so he will not be playing this weekend or is not anticipated to be playing this weekend. Uh, Chaz Lucius, the Jets' 2021 first-rounder, he's dealing with what he called a bit of an ankle issue, and they're just trying to get some strength in the end ankle before he comes back and then Carson Golder is dealing with uh, muscle spasms in his back he was red hot in the ECHL and then got called up and played a couple games for the Moose in that series against Texas but it's it's a it'll be a good one I mean Brad Lambert's hot right now and Nikita Chibrikov is is playing really well so you've got the Jets prospects who are are rolling along and and again the Jets the Moose sorry are going to look to uh Try and get things back on track. And I know Darwin's asking for tickets, but I've given Darwin tickets already. So I've I've got two tickets. We've given away the tickets for today already. We do have two tickets left for tomorrow. So if someone new wants to go to the game, I will hit them up and we can give them two tickets to tomorrow's afternoon game against the Belleville Senators. So your chance to see the Jets of tomorrow, literally tomorrow. And uh, if not, then Darwin, I can hit you up and give you two tickets, but you'll so be my last choice. new out there. I like, to give have, yeah. the tickets, I like to give the tickets to new people to give chance for new, new fans to, to be able to see uh, the prospects. And, and again, there's a lot of Jets prospects who are doing some good development. Simon Lundmark and, and Daniel Torgerson, Henry Nickinen, in addition to all the exciting names. Uh, Danny Jilkin had a very good game against Texas uh, last week. So 
the prospects are rolling along. And then as you know, I got to mention the pride of Flynn Flon, Ashton Sautner, he, uh, and of course, John Ginsburg, also the pride of, of uh, Flynn Flon. But shout uh, out to you, by the way, great interview last weekend with Wyatt Bon Giovanni. I really enjoyed that. I obviously didn't watch it live. So I recommend anybody who didn't watch that, but uh, you and Big Rig did a great job talking to, to Wyatt Bon Giovanni, who, as you know, Dave, he's having a breakout year this year. Yeah, he's been really good. Unfortunately, he didn't get the the benefit of being on the illegal, what we like to refer as the illegal curve bounce because yeah. he didn't score and then he got injured. So that's that's never a good thing, <laughs> but uh, that's the opposite of what we like to call the, the illegal curve bounce. Yeah, the illegal curve uh, curse. Yeah, that was that was the opposite. Is but he not playing this weekend, Dave? No, it's it's looking like he won't be playing just based on oh, on the boat. Yeah, against uh, in the in the game on Sunday against um, Texas, he he got a late, which was crazy. And again, you want to talk about game management? Mooser up two one. Bon Giovanni just gets crushed in with the puck right there. So he gets sorry, the puck's already gone. Petrovic hits him. Should have been a boarding call. It's not. Few minutes later, Lambert gets called for a penalty and Texas ties the game. So uh, it was it was game management at its finest. And the Moose, who had played a really good hockey game, end up losing that one in regulation late in the game. So um, that was a tough one for them. But again, they're hoping to bounce back, and they know they've got to put some wins together. I spoke to Jeffrey Vl. He was really excited, of course, of getting his recall just to finally finish up some of that nonsense about uh, Sunday. He was he was he was he was a little bit excited at the prospect of getting into that Sunday's game if they ended up meeting him. Uh, he started punching you as a result. He was just, he just needed to punch somebody. He he was, he lit as if anybody saw his fight with Alex Gallant uh, in Calgary earlier yeah. this season, oh, you man. know that Jeffrey VL is a tough, good guy. He's a nice guy. He's a pretty funny big guy, boy. but he is, uh, he's tough as they come. And and let me tell you, I know T. Kona Paul is tougher is, than Drew was in high school. He's tougher than Drew was that in was high school. Damn and, tough. And he, I can tell you right now that he was, he would have been champing at that bit. As, to, as uh, parochial kid, uh, as parochial uh, school kids yeah. are real tough. Real tough. So, anyways, that. Uh, but he was he he. But he just actually just to tie that in, he did talk about how it felt good just to get the call up and and to be up with the big club and and to not you know to have his name there. And obviously, he's there for for a different reason than you know a recall of a guy like Axel or Dominic. But but again, it's being part of that mentality and being part of the team and being having a value in in some capacities. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of guys. Uh, on the moose who are getting the benefit of that close connectivity and and drew you talked about it earlier oh there we go we got kids oh, oh, coming the kids in. have arrived that the means kids daddy's gotta arrived. go well that hi, means daddy. Mid- hi, daddy. <laughs> want to come say hi ruben we're just finishing up the show oh we got both of them. okay now we got the brain trust from the from the, That's from the ginsburg family here hi kiddos <laughs> hi rube hi <laughs> all right well the minute movement is officially go. done and now the jets being in for a quick <laughs> Also, you can talk Ta-ha. about the Manitoba moose if you want. And I'll be right out, okay? Ezzy, you do you Ezzy, you should make it make a mention though of the fact that this is a minor hockey weekend uh for the moose at the moose game. So <laughs> but as he's getting <laughs> the kids are getting pulled out. But uh that as I was just saying that it's 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 I mean, guys at the end surprised yeah, by that right no 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 but what i was going to say is, is that it, it's a shout out to hockey manitoba uh in connection with the moose so i'll let you finish up what this weekend means with uh hockey well, manitoba and the manitoba yeah moose. we have a great partnership uh with the manitoba moose so there's going to be uh you know a lot of minor hockey players we had a great promotion with the manitoba moose we have several promotions with the the moose so there's going to be lots of minor hockey teams as you know dave i mean the moose get great crowds out they're going to have a, a great crowd 
for both games against Belleville this weekend. Yeah. yeah so it's going to be just, you know, a great, a great way to celebrate, uh, you know, professional hockey and uh, minor hockey across the province. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm not going to be there. I know Dave M you're going to be there. Um, but yeah, shout out. Thanks. I appreciate that. And just shanks, you know, shanks, um, you know, <laughs> I don't mean shanks. I mean, I think that was a bar in Calgary, if I'm not mistaken. Do you think we went there back in the day? Didn't we? Anyways, um, uh, where was I going with this? Um, yeah, know. just continue. Thank someone. you. Thank you. Thank you. For, to the for their continued someone support. And thank someone. Yeah. <laughs> We've done a lot of shows in the last three Let's days. A lot of late night shows. We'll... Thank you to the Moose for their continued support of minor hockey in the province. We will say that's it for this morning. It's been a busy last, uh, I would say, what's that? About uh, 24, 36 hours. We'll be back at it tomorrow night after the Jets and the Coyotes. <laughs> Want to say a big thank you to all of you for joining us. Another well-attended great numbers here this morning. If you haven't already done that's so, amazing. smash the like button. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That way you won't miss a minute of the broadcasts. Uh, tonight at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, as Frosty has up on the screen, Chris Robinson. Tickets available, rumorscomedyclub.com. Be sure to get those. Linden Market Dental Center, Zappia Group Realty, Betway, Farmery Beer, Home of Illegal Curve Lager, Rollies Transfer, Seagram's, Boston Pizza, Tough Duck, and the title sponsor of the Illegal Curve postgame show, our friends at Betway. Support all these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey. Big thanks to Frankie Corrado. Big thanks to Jeff Hamilton. They both brought great opinion and analysis. If you missed any of it, check it out on the YouTube channel. Check it out on the podcast. Smash the like button. Subscribe. Leave us feedback. All those important things are what you need to do. IllegalCurve.com, your home for all the latest Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose news. For Dave Manouk in the top right, for Ezra Ginsburg in the bottom middle, I'm your host, Drew Mindell. Until tomorrow evening, right around 8.30 p.m., we remind you that if it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms thanks for listening to this broadcast from illegal curve hockey for more great illegal curve content subscribe to the illegal curve youtube channel follow at illegal curve on twitter facebook and instagram and visit your online home for hockey in winnipeg illegalcurve.com